0: Welcome to Filmstrip, movie reviews presented by Continuous Play Podcast. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the fair use act, section 504c2, title 17.
1: Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay and I'm Kurt. This is our review of Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, starring Harrison Ford, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Carrie Fisher, Domhnall Gleeson, Peter Mayhew, and Mark Hamill for about 8 seconds. Directed, <laughs> directed by J.J. Abrams, released obviously December 2015, of $200 million, grossed over $1.5 at the time that we we're recording this here in the... Uh, January of 2016 on track to be the biggest grossing film of all time, right? Like it's right on Avatar's heels at this point.
0: Oh yeah, and Ava- I mean, like Avatar. Ava- everyone went into Avatar blind, without any love for the characters, and uh, but I think uh, people are just going over and over again to uh, to Star Wars more, and not even not even for, not even for the movie necessarily, just for the, for that 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 sense of nostalgia that this movie is just just soaked in. Yeah, I mean yeah, they could have called it The Nostalgia Awakens for
1: for all, sure, for all it's really about. I mean, really yeah, we'll we'll get into that as we go, but yeah, I myself sure. saw it twice, uh, you know, uh, going into this one. So, how many times did have you have you been to the theater and caught it?
0: Well, uh, I saw it twice. Uh, I happened to be in the area to be able to see it on the first showing on the uh, the first Friday. Nice. Uh, and the thing about that is <laughs> I mean, uh, I watched that movie uh I wanted to see that movie as soon as possible, not just because I wanted to see it but uh, I just wanted to get ahead of the freaking spoilers that that the there's never i I can't believe the uh the amount of people out here that have just been desperate to spoil this movie on Facebook luckily I had it spoil I had it spoiled for me but not by people on Facebook who are literally coming out of the movie saying so and so dies ha 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 I win just, it's it just it's just like vicious and mean in a way that I've never seen before, so I had to see this movie ASap to uh, to, to, to just to get that out of my head. but then I watched it the next day with actual people with me uh, and enjoyed it a lot more and we'll get into it, but like one of the big things about seeing again seeing the movie the first time is getting rid of those expectations because I don't think any movie ever made you'd have to go back to maybe Indiana Jones 3 and before that, Godfather 3, in terms of like a return to a beloved series. I don't think any movie has been as hyped as this, just, just ever. Because you know, this is a movie that people have been talking... Listen, like, Indiana Jones 4 is one thing. People kind of thought, mm-hmm. yeah, the book was closed trilogy, that, that, that's fantastic. But Star Wars is a movie that everyone has been just uh, begging for since... Like, never mind the prequels. Since 83, they've been waiting for the next, you know, Han Solo, Luke, and Leia Chewie story. Uh, and so, just like there's just never been as much uh, fan expectation and, and excitement for a movie before.
1: I'll say this: when the Phantom Menace was was dawned upon us, and before anybody saw it, and the trailer came out, and all this stuff, that was the most overload expectations I had ever experienced up at, to my life. But up until this came out, that was the number one. But I agree with you. I think this one has has had more lead up, more build up, more. Pub type hype all that stuff than than any of the the previous uh film iterations and you know you talk about spoilers, I somehow stayed spoiler free and i didn't see this thing until it had been out like a week and a half.
0: I don't know uh, how
1: you did. It. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'll tell you, traveling with you know during the holidays helped a good bit. Had some family stuff to deal with, and I just sort of just I just sort of got off of social media for about a week there, and I just I I feel you know filters on Twitter are a wonderful thing, by the way, yeah. and I just I just averted my eyes, and, and but I made a conscious decision going into this one that I didn't want to know. You know, usually I'm spoiler heavy guy. You know, I, I want to know it all. I want to know what I'm getting into, and then I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that, generally. You know, I've read full scripts of films before. I've gone and kind of seen them before, so not a problem for me. But in this one, I said, you know... I'm going to go into this like my friend podcasting's Brock does when he goes to see theatrical films. He goes totally spoiler-free. Now, you know, he works a lot, and he's got two small kids, so that helps him accomplish that. With me, I don't have anything else to do except work and, you know, podcasts, so I have to (laughs) to actively work (laughs) at that. But I made a decision. I was like, you know what? That teaser trailer came out. I'll watch the heck out of it. Then the first, you know, the, the long trailer came out, and I was so jazzed, and I watched it again. And then I said then, I'm not watching it anymore. I'm not listening. I'm not talking to anybody about this. I'm going total spoiler-free into this as much as I can. I only saw the trailer one more time, and it's because my wife and I went and saw the conclusion of the Hunger Games saga, and they played it before (laughs) that. And, like, I had hair standing up on my arms. I'm sitting there kind of (laughs) geeking out, and she's like, you really do like Star Wars. <laughs> so, and my wife, not a Star Wars person at all. Like, her house, they didn't watch it growing up. They they watched old reruns of, like, bad Star Trek. So it ruined for her. So she's never seen Star Wars. They care anything about it. So I'm sitting there just like, this is going to be awesome. You know, but then I was like, okay, must forget, must forget, must not, you know, think. I don't know who these people are. So I really knew nothing going in. And, I, you know, I think also having waited as long as I did, I caught this in the middle of a huge downpour. On a Monday afternoon, just a random Monday, because I, I, I knew I wanted to go see it that week at some point. And I I was I was really stuck in another town because it was raining so bad I didn't want to drive through it. And I said, there's a movie theater across the street from me. I'll just go watch it. And I went in with a, about a half full crowd and a bunch of like small kids. And I thought, oh, this is going to be brutal. But, and I'll say this to the film's credit for anything else I say about it today... Those kids were, like, mesmerized for the two-hour and ten-minute runtime of it. You know, the trailers, everybody's noisy, I don't care about. But the movie started, and they were just, like, in their seats, blown away. So that was a cool experience for me. And then I went and saw it again uh, a few days ago because I wanted to refresh myself before we recorded this. And I saw it both times in 2D. Did you see it in 3D?
0: Oh, no, I made a conscious decision not to see this movie in 2D. Like all movies, Mm -hmm. I just say... Like I, I make the. It's a hunt to find the two D screenings of (laughs) of any movie. Yeah, and uh, luckily I was able to.
1: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I had to hunt for them as well, but I I was I I'm, I'm not a fan of post conversion migraines. I call them. Right. And uh, yeah. so I just I just avoided it. And from what I've heard, it it you don't really gain anything from that experience. So, but yeah, I mean a ton of buildup and things like that. Now, what did you know going in besides the fact that you got you know spoiled by idiots on on the internet <laughs> uh, about it and people that do that? By the way, you just, just uh, come on, come
0: on. Oh, y'all. Yeah. There's a, there's a there's a special place in hell for the people who. <laughs> Who spoil a movie that several people have waited literally ten years for since Revenge of the Sith? Exactly. Uh, you know, so. and, and, and then they and they ruin it like, <laughs> like like <laughs> da- like two minutes after they see it. But, oh, uh, that's terrible. As for, yeah. As for knowing what happened, I've been following. I mean, I've been following this movie since it was really it was since that day that it was announced that Lucas is selling the rights or whatever that whatever you want to call that deal. He was giving it to Disney. Yeah. And it was the exact same like. <laughs> uh, in the exact same news article was he's selling the rights and Disney already has like three uh, Star Wars movies in the works like that, that same day. They, I think they, they might have even had the release dates. Oh, yeah. That very same day, which I've never seen before. I've never seen it that quick. Uh, maybe they were. Maybe they, there was dealings for months before. That. I, th- I think but, there was. I think there were. There were deals going on. I mean,
1: Lucas had been kind of floating that out there for a while to see who would yeah. be interested and when the deal was getting. You know, the ink was drying on the paper. you Yeah, know, the stories were running around, and and JJ Abrams was getting involved, and Lawrence Kasdan, and all those kind of people.
0: Oh yeah, and like I even did a podcast with with the Hollywood Gauntlet people. We, we, the whole thing was just about. Uh, what do we think is the, the movie gonna be and we spent a lot of time talking about who is going to not so much the story but the big thing is who is gonna direct this movie because that's a big deal and we th- we threw out every single conceivable name and the thing about it was like any name was plausible like this is, this is something that uh, a guy as maybe as like geeky or nerdy as like a Joss Whedon could absolutely make and at the same time a guy like Christopher Nolan could absolutely make this movie. Like every com- every director I could think of, it's like there's so many people. Even like David Fincher, Alfonso Cuarón, uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro. There like there's nobody who wouldn't probably have at least one good Star Wars movie in them. And uh, the way they're cranking out gonna be cranking these movies out one a year, maybe one day we will get everyone making a Star Wars, movie. <laughs> and they may do it with all the spinoffs and these two. I think you're right that's a that's a fantastic episode of The Hollywood Gauntlet,
1: by the way, not to drive people away from our show for a minute but yeah right. I mean they're they're friends of ours I mean John did the voiceovers for the first six parts of this uh mm-hmm. series we did, so yeah, it's called uh, I think what happened to Star Wars or something like that go check it out. it's go to Hollywood Gauntlet you can find it on iTunes folks, it's fantastic. So yeah, I remember that. I remember listening to that, and I think I downloaded that show and it was one of my marathon running shows because <laughs> Hollywood Gauntlet show is a little long. Uh, but uh, but that's okay because that's that's it's good stuff. You know, you got ten people in a room pretty much. It's uh it's good. But yeah, you know, let's talk about JJ Abrams then just for a minute. Because when he did yep. get attached, my first thought was, Well, he made the last two good Star Wars films, they were just called Star Trek. <laughs> you know, and I I didn't even like Into Darkness that much. I thought eh it's, you know it's alright. Right, you know, it's kind of like a, eh, I don't know, it was sort of a knockoff, but it was okay. But I thought the action in it was fantastic, and that, that reboot of Star Trek, I thought was genius. I mean, I thought, that's exactly how you should handle that, man. And so, I was cool with the idea of J.J. J. Abrams, plus everything else he's touched, you know, from television to other movies he's done. Uh, I was a big fan of Super 8, and I love Cloverfield, and he had a lot to do with that. And, I mean, the guy just, just does stuff that I tend to go for. I liked his Mission Impossible, so... I was excited when I found that he was going to be involved.
0: Yeah, and uh, on that on that Hollywood Gauntlet show, I think I think everyone on the pod at least said a prediction. J.J. Abrams is probably going to make it, uh, and I w- some people weren't okay with it. Uh, but when I heard J.J. Abrams was like, he's the director. Episode seven, it's his. I was, I don't know if I was ecstatic, but I, w- I kind of I a sigh of relief. Like it wasn't. Uh, I'm trying to think of a guy, trying to think of like a, a good bad choice. I think it was a uh, McG. If it was me <laughs> making episode seven, I'd be upset. But when I heard J.J. J. Abrams, I thought, okay, like that, that'll be fine. Because some people don't like him because of all the lens flares and so on. But uh, the, the movies you mentioned, like Mission Impossible 3, I remember the first time I saw that, uh, what, what struck me was, geez, someone made a good, another good movie out of... Mission Impossible, and that's kind of what the thing about that whole series, every time they make it's like, really, they they managed to squeeze some more juice out of that lemon, and it's actually pretty good.
1: Oh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll tell you now, Rogue Nation was a, was a real blast, I mean, don't think oh, yeah. about it too hard, you know, or else you right. know, it's ridiculous, but that's kind of fun, they figured out what to do with it, but I think, and I think J.J. started that, actually, I think that series was a little off-kilter the first two times around, and he really set it in motion, so with that third oh, sure. part. And I I am one of the people that made the lens flare jokes. I will go ahead and own up to those. I I I was sure. like
0: I I love Star Wars but I need my lens flare, you know. Oh yeah. And the 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 main reason why I really breathe a sigh of relief, it wasn't so much I did I actually I did like Super 8 but not not so much that, but it was that that 2009 Star Trek movie, the, the Into Darkness, I don't think it come out just yet. Uh or it might have. Anyway, but when I when I've watched that Star Trek thing, similarly with Mission Impossible, it's like somewhat like J.J. Abrams managed to take something that had been done to death. There have been ten Star Trek movies, seven of the you know the, the 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 Kirk and Spock story, and I was so blown away by that movie. It's like this is just so like they they took he took something so old guard and just spun it into something fresh and new and fun and at the same time very much of the original Star Trek series. And so I thought there's like. You, He's kind of a perfect choice for, if you want to reinvent, not reinvent Star Wars, but if you want to, like, reboot it, he is the guy. And uh, for the, I would say, like, for the most part, what he did in this movie was, like, was what I expected, and it was, like, and I was, and I was happy with, and we'll get into it.
1: Oh, yeah, and I, I think before we go any further, let's go ahead and do a plot summary. I can't imagine anyone listening to this hasn't seen it at least you know, once, if not twice. But give everybody kind of the overview, the highlights of what happens in The Force Awakens, and then we'll dig uh, into it a little deeper.
0: Sure thing. And for the love of God, you have been warned, if you have not seen The Force Awakens, stop listening right now. So, it's been over 30 years since Darth Vader has died, the Emperor killed, and the Empire defeated. Luke Skywalker has gone into hiding after his attempt to rebuild the Jedi Knights ended in failure. Stormtrooper Finn, Scavenger Rey, and X-Wing pilot Poe Dameron join Han Solo, Chewbacca, Leia Organa, and the Resistance in the battle against the First Order, which has risen from the ashes of the Empire and the search for Skywalker. The First Order, led by Kylo Ren, Han Solo, and Leia's son, and Supreme Leader Snokes, develop a planet-sized weapon capable of destroying multiple planets at once. The Resistance attacks this new Starkiller weapon while also trying to free Rey from the clutches of Kylo Ren, and when Han Solo finally confronts his son, Kylo, and attempts to win him back from the dark side, Kylo kills him. Kylo Ren is defeated by Finn and Rey in a lightsaber duel just as the Resistance destroys the Star Killer. and R2-D2 then comes back to life and helps lead the way for Rey to find Luke Skywalker.
1: Yeah, that is a, a very good and tight summary. There's so much that, that we can get into here with this. And I want to start by talking about our new characters and then our returning old characters. Because you know the the old characters, it's something that's easy to remember because that was such a big deal. Because the first thing J.J. said was, we're doing it with, with Harrison and uh, Carrie and Mark. And so we'll get into them. But let's talk about our new ones. And I, I'll tell you now, I absolutely adore... Daisy Ridley and and John Hmm. Boyega together. And I said this the first time I was watching it, and then the second time I watched it, I I reconfirmed. It actually made me go and dig this other movie up and watch it again. I hadn't seen that good a chemistry between young actors on a set in in a big epic film like this since Titanic. Like, hmm. they had that Leo and Kate thing. And it's not, it's not even heavy as romantic. It's just yeah. they just seemed to go well together. They played well together. They looked like they were having fun. And I don't know either one of them from anything. I'll say that now. I know none of hmm. the new cast from any of anything else they've, they've done, if they've done anything. But I was taken by those, those two in particular, above everything else that's new here. Uh, those really got me and the new robot, BB-8. I adore that little thing, more for the fact that afterward I thought, man, that was some incredible CGI, and then I look it up, and I'm like, no, it's a couple of magnets. That's awesome. It's a practical effect. The Disney Imagineers created that for this movie. I thought that was great.
0: Yeah, that, that, that BB-8, that was a thing. when I, In that first teaser, which did blow me away, when they when they show this, the head staying still on top of a soccer ball that's rolling uh, down the desert, was like, well, that is some good CGI. Then you look it up and it's like, well, what do you mean it's real? It's like, that's not real. Then they actually, I think it was yeah. some kind of a fan expo thing. And there, uh, there it comes, a BB yep. rolling out onto the stage. And it's like, well, son of a bitch. Like, it, that, that droid in and of itself was kind of a, uh, it was a sign of things to come and another sigh of relief. That's like oh they're actually they're gonna do some practical effects in this movie. Or, oh yeah, uh, as there's a lo- to the last
1: one. Yeah, there's a lot of practicals in here. In a in Matter of fact, I'll say now the the fact that they went back to some practical effects was a big sigh for me too because the CGI in this isn't that grand honestly, but the the practicals totally make up for all of it. But as far as oh. new characters go, uh, again Ray and Finn, I immediately lock into and just just loved them just from the outset and that's nothing against kylo ren or poe or any of the other you know people that were new but those two were really and i think those two are our avatars for this movie too but Hmm. i found them just fascinating now what of the new characters were the ones that really stuck out for you though
0: uh well i do like uh uh, finn and ray a lot i'm I'm looking for i'm very much looking forward to seeing where they're going to go with this uh uh but my two favorite characters were uh, the other ones you touched on, uh, Poe Dameron. Uh, while John Boyega and Daisy really are rather unknown, uh, they went for refer some name actors in this movie, uh, not just kick-starting the careers of, of, of some unknowns. But what, and uh, Poe Dameron, Oscar Isaac, is one of the best actors working today, at least in uh, one of my favorites. I first saw him in Drive. He took a, he took a character. He was in that, Drive?
1: Uh, Oh yeah, he wow! Took, he, he played the, okay,
0: he played the guy who gets out of prison.
1: Oh my gosh,
0: I didn't even recognize him. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow. Like he he took the, that that character. Like this guy comes out of prison and comes in in between. He very much becomes a wrench in this relationship between Ryan Gosling and uh, 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 Carrie Mulligan. And it's a character that it just it, it should be unsympathetic, and somehow he made him one of the more likable characters in that movie. Like first time I saw him, I was like, oh, here we go, the scumbag you know uh, boyfriend out of the out of the clink. And then it's like, no, he's actually not a, not a bad guy. And so it wasn't a huge part, but he made an impression on, on in, in that movie. And, but the big one was when I saw him in Inside Lewin Davis uh, by the Coen Brothers in 2013. Uh, that's a movie that took me two viewings to get. But after that, it really became one of my favorite movies this decade. And he is just fantastic in it. And then it's in 2014. He did A Most Violent Year, which also took me two viewings to get. That's a purposefully slow, brooding crime drama, and Oscar Isaac in that movie, totally unlike anything else he did before, is uh, there's no other words for it. He's doing Al Pacino in The Godfather in that movie. Uh, he has this scene where he's dem- he's demonstrating how to sell heating oil, and uh, it's it's a very it's a weird scene, but the way he's performing it is like if they ever remade The Godfather, there's your Michael Corleone right there it'd be perfect. And then yeah. 2015, he's got two movies. He was in this. And he was in uh, Ex Machina, and he stole that movie, in my opinion. It has this combination of, like, Tony Stark and Dr. Frankenstein uh, trying to create artificial intelligence, and he's really funny in that. And now, in this movie, despite all the character work he's done in the past, there's no question, like, no one, like, you know, as good as those movies are, no one's going to remember them compared to this movie. This is what he'll be remembered for forever. He's already become one of the most beloved uh, actors of all time. So many So many memes going on about this guy. Uh, And he is exactly the character. This character, Poe Dameron, is exactly what uh, I said in the previous pods was missing in the prequels. And that's he's a character. He has nothing to do with Jedis or lightsabers. He's just a guy with a gun. And he's very much what he is is like the new Han Solo, I'd say. Like that, that opening bit where he stares down Kylo Ren. There's a moment of silence and he says... Who, who who talks first? Do I talk first? And yeah. <laughs> it, and it was, it was the first joke laugh of the movie, and that's when he became my, my favorite performance in this movie, at least. But well, my only problem, he's barely in the movie. Well, you know, I, I think I feel like he's in
1: it a perfect amount because I, I realize he is going to be a bigger deal later on, but they sell him to us in that opening crawl. You know, General Leia Organa has sent her most daring pilot to go get yeah. this, and you meet him in the tent with Mac- Max Vonsito? What the hell is he doing hmm. here? But, you know, I, I guess he's got, you know, a couple more houses to pay off, whatever. But, yeah. you know, hey, he's, he's there, and, and I love this whole bit, but that whole back and forth, all that, that is total J.J. Abrams. You know, and I'm like, yes, we get that snarky thing, but you've got to have an actor that can pull that off. And, again, I don't know this guy from anything. Else, but I thought this this is fantastic. It actually made me want to go and look up all this other stuff he's been in that you're you're mentioning here because I had read his his IMDb after that and I said I got to see this guy and other things because he was he was so charismatic, yeah. you know. And I think that's and it's a contrast to our other two characters, our three really new characters here. And he's but you, the thing about him is that we don't even have to meet him, know his story, anything. He's just a uh, he's like we talked about in the original trilogy. He's that Han Solo. He's that, that blondie gunslinger from the spaghetti yeah. westerns. He's just a badass, and he doesn't care. Like he has no fear whatsoever. He's standing in front of the baddest guy in the galaxy, supposedly, you know, with a ton of stormtroopers and a huge lightsaber around him. Who, by the way, blocked a shot. A one of the coolest force powers ever. He blocks oh, yeah. a bolt and then lets it sit there for ten minutes you know i'm like no, that's that's cool and he's still not scared of the guy so yeah he's pretty fantastic
0: Oh yeah, and i was i was i was genuinely concerned because of how much i like this guy i've been watching game of thrones too much i was i like this <laughs> character so much you thought I he was, was gonna thinking, get killed <laughs> i was like he, he's gonna get killed because in that tra- in that trailer they make it look like like when like when kylo ren's kind of forced torturing in there it's like it makes him look like oh man does he die in that scene because I, I i like the actors so much and the character oh they're gonna kill this guy off just to Make make a statement like this is what kind of movie it's going to be. They're going to start killing people off like it's uh, Snowpiercer. Now that but, now that
1: that would have been Joss Whedon's answer, by the
0: way, for sure. But luckily, he he survives the movie, so he's and he he's probably going to and he better have a bigger part in in the next movie. Absolutely.
1: Now you said you had another one though that okay. uh, was big for you, and I think that's Kylo Ren, right?
0: Oh, absolutely, Kylo Ren. Uh, Adam Driver. Now what's awesome is he is also in Inside Lewin Davis, and he gets. Maybe the most memorable scene in the movie, singing this ridiculous novelty song about <laughs> space travel with Oscar Isaac. And everyone, if you have, even if you haven't seen the movie, everyone do yourself a favor, find that scene on YouTube. It's, it's just so weird and funny. And here he is now, as the new villain in Star Wars, very much taking over for Darth Vader. He says it in the movie, finish what you started. And I love that outfit and that, and that mask and that voice. Now, when I first watched the movie, and I thought, "Man, this guy's voice is so cool." I thought maybe they were altering his voice to sound more menacing. And then you watch—I saw I had him driver on Jimmy Fallon and in, in doing interviews and stuff, and he sounds exactly the same. Yeah, if, like, if,
1: basically... if 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 anything, they added
0: a little bit of bane reverb to it, but that—that's oh, yeah, about that's, it. Yeah, he has one of the most deepest voices ever, and when you put that voice through a kind of a maybe intentionally cheap sound of like radio-like filter, it just sounds awesome, and. uh, he ends up getting, in my opinion, the best scene in the movie, which which we'll cover. And uh, and lastly, I want to touch on uh, one one guy, Domhnall Gleeson. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I, the the, I evil to... ginger, him, so. yeah, the evil ginger, I called him. Yeah, the evil ginger. He's the only guy in this movie I didn't like. I think the acting across the board is very good, except for this guy. I hated this character uh, and this performance. This General Hux. He's the new Grand Moff Tarkin, except. G- Gleason's no Peter Cushing, at least not in this movie. Like, <laughs> no, not at all. He, he plays yeah, it
1: more man. like a Hitler on I meth. Mean, oh, he's time. he's that's, out
0: of his mind. So. Yeah, that that's that speech he gives, like before the Star Killer fires. Like, I was with the movie. I was very much in the movie. I was like, I was like, I was, I wasn't thinking about the outside world. But when he started giving that speech, I just thought it was like that felt like something out of like another movie. Like that felt something out of like uh, Eddie Redmayne and Jupiter Ascending, or something. I was just thinking, man, this is. It took me completely out of it. I thought, "Man, this is awful," and I haven't felt like that. Like I didn't. That's the only time I felt like that in the movie, and it's a shame because Gleason's a terrific actor. He was, oh, he's always good, and stuff like the last two Harry Potter movies. He was one of the, uh, the redheads. What's what's the? He uh, was uh, one Weasley's. of the twins. Yeah, he's one of the Weasleys. Yeah. Yes. And he, he was in True Grit. He was in Dread. He was in a terrific episode of the BBC series uh, Black Mirror. Uh, and he was in, He was also in Ex Machina from 2015, and he was really good in that. Uh, and just the other day, I saw him in The Revenant, uh, in your, uh, in your Reader's movie, and he's superb in that, so I don't know what happened, uh, but when he's standing next to Kylo Ren, he really pales in comparison, uh, and, uh, he's, he, in my opinion, he was the weakest part of this movie, and he didn't die, uh, unlike Grandma of Tarkin, which I think is a, is kind of a shame, kind of like, oh, so what, so... It's great to look forward to more of this oh, guy. I, I, I liked the fact that he didn't die, though,
1: because I think it, it, he's a weasel. So the fact that he weasled his way out of it and got away, I'm like, well, that just means he's going to die even more spectacularly later. You know, so I mean, that's
0: that's all that means. (laughs) So it'll it'll be it'll be worth it when when Kylo Ren turns on him or something. Or,
1: yeah, or he gets cut in half by one of his own guys or something like that. Yeah, there's. Yeah. yeah. No, he's an interesting one. I I had a different take on him. I actually kind of liked the performance. It was totally over the top and crazy. It's the only thing. It's the only performance in the film that reminded me of the prequels. Of somebody who didn't yeah. realize what they were standing in front of, and they just kind of went with it, you know. And I don't know that he got sure. a lot of direction that day. He he does come off like a dime store Ewan McGregor, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he even looks like him a little bit to me, or a younger mm-hmm. Ewan, I guess. So I was okay with it. I I think you everybody was playing it so down, and for lack of a better way, emo, <laughs> you know, on the on the the first order this time. Somebody had to be over the top. So I was cool that it was him. And I will say, my, you know, this, this film is littered with cameos and, and, you know, people in it here and there and stuff. The one I did not realize who it was, and I should have caught the voice, is the the uh, chromed-out stormtrooper that's Brienne of Tar. I don't know the yeah. actress's name. I can't remember. It. I'm Gwendolyn. sorry. Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn. I knew it was Gwendolyn, yeah. I, I'm like, you know, Star Wars could probably be the futuristic version of Westeros. How do we know that's not like sure. a long-lost relative? You know, so yeah, at okay. some at some point, I thought she was I, the voice just kept ringing to me when I found out two it was. I was like, they should at least let her have the mask off just once, you know? Because yeah, the fact that she got thrown down the trash compactor, I'm like, oh, that sucks,
0: you know. So, yeah, but... she, luckily, she's actually if you go on IMDb, she's listed for episode seven. So I hope oh. she comes back because I was like, I'm a huge you know I'm a huge fan of Gwendolyn Christie and that and that character on Game of Thrones. When I heard that she's going to be this this like this. Like In terms of, like, outfit, she's got the like the Boba Fett outfit, the best outfit, but oh, maybe yeah. the lamest character, because... <laughs> well, like, then, she, like a, then
1: she's like the original Boba Fett, who looks cool and does absolutely nothing. Yeah, so, like, uh, when,
0: like, when you see that she's going to be playing, you know, Captain Phasma, she's got that cape, and she's like, like, look, Chris, she's like, you know, she's seven feet tall, so you think, oh, it's going to be like some kind of, maybe like a fight with Chewie, or she's going to be, like, you know, taking on uh, Han Solo, or, and, and she literally does, she does nothing. Like, the point, like... They really could have gotten anyone, and they got a great actress to play that part. And that could have been literally anyone, like, for instance, like uh, Daniel Craig, who yeah. uh, just shows up for a voice, uh, doesn't take his helmet off either.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, he's he's the one that gets uh, uh, forced uh, uh, used to uh, you know, open the door mm-hmm. and, and drop your weapon, you know. So, <laughs> which I, you know, the first time I saw it, I was like, I wonder if that was Daniel Craig's cameo. The second time, I was like, that's totally Daniel Craig. Like yeah, the I, felt, whole, the, I felt pretty. Yeah.
0: I felt pretty stupid. Like I saw Spectre a couple of weeks prior. And it's like I no. know Daniel Craig's voice, and I was like, "Who is that guy?" And it's not even the, the voice. It's time.
1: it's just the movement. It's he does this one little shrug, and I'm like, "That's totally Daniel Craig showing yeah. us that's him." So you know, so but anyway, but yeah, this movie's littered with those. But the thing that got everybody excited was the fact that Luke Han and Leia were coming back for this. Oh, yeah. And like we've already said and I said it in the intro and you mentioned it there at the end, Luke shows up on a hill at the very end, uh, looking rather distraught uh, and kind of like a, uh, a, a I guess he's supposed to look like Alec Guinness. Now, and he kind of does. Yes. So I guess he kind of does he's a little shorter. He's a little short for a Jedi Master, but I he'll guess. do. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he he's in it for like no time at all. So we, there's, we really can't talk about him until we get to the end. But Han and Leia are in this thing like yeah. straightforward, and the thing that I will say now is and, and, you know, I'm one of the few people on Earth that can watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and not want to rip my mm-hmm. eyes out. Um, I think it's because I just look at it and go, "That's eh, it's just kind of stupid. You know, I mean, it's not really great, but it's just <laughs> kind of stupid, and Harrison Ford's really kind of mailing it in. That's the thing I ding that movie for more than anything is like, yeah, Spielberg and Lucas couldn't even get him interested in this. Whatever J.J. Abrams did, whether it was all the zeros and the points coming off the end of this or Mm. what, Harrison Ford looked like he was having fun playing an old character. And the thing about him I've always admired as an actor is, and he says it too, he comes from the acting school of let's pretend you know if i get the character and i and i see it there on the paper then i can pretend to be anything and i've seen the man be the president i've seen him be the greatest cia agent of all time you know i've seen him be a swashbuckler or a professor he's been a murderer that you know was married to michelle Pfeiffer. i mean you know he's played all kinds of stuff he played a man that got shot in the head and had to recover from it he was fantastic <laughs> in regarding henry i mean i'm like you know this guy's done everything at this point right he even made anne hash look funny you know, for about 12 minutes of 40 Days and 40 Nights. And so, <laughs> uh, so I mean, I, I like Harrison Ford. And to watch him when he steps on the, the Millennium Falcon through everything he does in this, he looked like he was having such a blast. And it was so good to see him back. But even though I went spoiler-free in this, Kurt, I knew one thing was true. The only way Harrison Ford is going to do this is if they pay him outrageously, which they did mm-hmm. and will, and if he gets the wish he's wanted since 1980, which is to die, and I knew I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't see it coming when it, I even didn't even see it coming when it did happen, as much as it set up there for us the first time. But I thought Han Solo is going to die, and everybody's going to lose their friggin' minds.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Harrison Ford in this movie. Uh... He he might look a lot different, but like he he really hasn't missed a, uh, a a step with that character. Felt like I mean it felt like it was nice to see Han Solo at, at, at back to his old slightly dark self, uh, not loopy and goofy from the hibernation sickness and Jedi. Uh, but about like you know Ford as as an actor, I think this I think this really is Harrison Ford's best performance since. I would go back to the 90s since the, the I'd fugitive. say since
1: probably something like Air Force One of the Fugitive. Yeah, it's been a while yeah. since he did one like
0: this, yeah. And then you hit the nail on the head in terms of like he's just like he looks like he's having fun and even look look at interviews with him in 2013. He looks like he is stoned out of his mind.
1: He and probably was. Single... <laughs>
0: so. yeah, he probably was. <laughs> But then but then you look at him interviews now, he's he's, he's really funny, he's got energy. Like, he has more energy now than you go back and watch him in like 82 when he's promoting Blade Runner. And like he's just he's so he just seems so happy and he's and he's like in his 70s now, and he is just so good in this movie. Now, uh, Oscar nomination might be a stretch, but he is just so fun to watch in this He definitely was the most fun actor to watch. The toss-up between him and Oscar Isaac for me. But with the with the character. It was awesome. Uh, the way they portray uh, uh, Han Solo and Leia and Luke mm-hmm. is that they've become these legends of like myth in the galaxy. Like when they see him, like it's like he's known he's known around the galaxy as like the rebel general who helped defeat the empire. Right. And as a Star Wars fan who knows this series, you know to its core, it's so it's just it's so heartwarming thinking about how when we first met him, he was just some guy slumped over in a chair in that cantina who happened to be the smuggler. That Obi Wan and Luke bumped into in the Mos Eisley Cantina that day. And now he's this well, hero of legend, like like King Arthur or something. And it was yeah. it was like it was he was something the, sp- it was special. He was the fastest
1: pilot they could find in the bar that day. That was that was what he was, and he <laughs> was this total gunslinger, and he was. You know, he was just the outsider, and that's what made him so cool and why everybody loved him. And he just—he's still playing that character. What's the thing? The funny thing about all of this is that you know the, everybody's like, "You're Han Solo, the great smuggler. You're Han Solo, the war hero." And you know, I think one of the characters asked Chewie that, and he's like, well, I don't know." You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I love how to keep poking fun at it, you know, like that. And he's like, "You did it in fourteen parsecs? No, twelve, 14.
0: That was, yeah. you know, like he's
1: like he's irritated by his own legend. But in the other hand, like he's just sort of hanging out. Like, he's just going back to, I think he says to lay at one point, I just went back to doing the only thing I was ever any good at, which yeah. is stealing stuff from people. And, th- th- you know, he does get a good, funny scene with the two clans that he's basically ripping off for the same thing before the mm-hmm. terrible CGI monsters attack, and, right. and, which is the worst scene in this film by far. <laughs> but, but beyond that, it, but it, it does give us one thing. He grabs one random guy and throws him in front of the monster, which is the total, yeah, I shot first moment. You know, that was like, good, like that was, yeah, that was never cool. forget I shot first. So he because he was he was dark again, and I think that was cool. But the thing that killed that just you know totally ripped me in the trailers and was a great scene even still in the movie, having seen it a couple times, was the the lines that he lays on Finn and Ray about, you know, the funny thing about all that Jedi stuff is it's all true, you know, like the the most doubtful cynic of all of them had become a believer having lived through it.
0: Yeah, uh, I heard people say with that last that like that last trailer that came out. They 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 said they teared up in the trailer, and it's like, well, uh, what are they talking about? And then they they cut to Han Solo, dead serious on his face, talking about you know the dark side, the Jedi, they're real, and it's like it it, it was. I didn't tear up, but it's like, oh, I I felt like I've if some I've never felt like that before. It's like, wow, I don't know why this feels so power. It's like a powerful moment because he is a changed man since we've met him he's seen some stuff you know he's the guy who shot darth vader and darth vader ripped the gun out of his hands from 50 feet away so he's he he, he now believes in the force for sure because when we first met him he's the guy who says you know it's all a bunch of simple tricks and nonsense and today he's like well you know it's all real like and like, like when han solo is turned into a believer you know it's something to believe in and it's oh yeah. a, a defining moment for the character.
1: Yeah, and it, and it plays well against the I mean you're talking about four generations difference, you know, between him and his you know counterparts here now and the way he plays it it works perfectly. I mean it, it it's a it's a perfect marriage between the two. And I think he he gets definitely the he gets top billing and he gets the biggest you know piece of of the action for sure. Leia on the other hand gets I I don't know I you know I nothing against Carrie Fisher I actually think Carrie Fisher is a very brave person to be as open and talk about the the problems she's had and, and her addictions mm-hmm. and her mental health and the amount of awareness she's raised she's a fantastic writer in her own right so I like Carrie Fisher for things beyond being Princess Leia and mm-hmm. stuff and she's always been the one that would poke fun at herself you know for this so she has a great sense of humor I don't I don't know that. I needed her in this. Like, I felt like, yeah, it's okay that she's there, but she just kind of stands over there and does a couple monologues and looks sad. And I I don't know that they gave her a ton to do. And I don't know if that's because that's Carrie Fisher's role now or they just didn't know what to do with it.
0: I, I think it, it it must be a case of they didn't know exactly what to do with this, you know, uh, aged, uh, you know, uh, general uh, ex-princess. Like, because we got Daisy Ridley, like we have all this, these young people, it's like it, it isn't that clear. What are we gonna do with with this Leia? It's like, is she gonna be with Han Solo and and the Falcon, like shooting alongside him, him and Chewie? And uh, yeah, they didn't they didn't. As far as the three movies, this uh, the four movies she's been in, this is probably the weakest Leia has been. But again, yeah, nothing against Carrie Fisher or or the or the or the or the, or the characters. Just the I gotta blame you know Kazdin and Abrams. They just didn't find enough to do with her, but. Well, she has uh two scenes which I guess we'll get to. She has one particular moment where she says nothing that uh, to me was the most emotional moment of the movie to me. Like I didn't I a lot of people say that they were crying the entire movie. I didn't cry during this movie. I felt I felt a lot of, I was smiling for most of this movie. But there was one moment the closest I did come to crying is one particular moment that that we'll get to, but but, uh, yeah, I, I don't I, mind Carrie Fisher in this movie. I, I think the, the, the issue is not only they couldn't
1: find what to do with her, they also ran out of time. They were trying to keep this thing as fleet as possible. Like, they were trying to keep this as close to the original runtime of the 1977 Star Wars as they could. You know, they They were purposely... I mean, you can see it. I've seen films that are soft reboots or remakes or whatever you want to call them and they they try to get back to the pacing of the original an example fresh on my mind and it's it's a totally left field thing but when they went back and finally made halloween four after halloween three which if you've never seen those (laughs) back to back that's a real left turn they purposely said we're going to try to structure this exactly like the first one and for the most part they the beats are almost exact I mean, now none of the soul is the same because you know right. John Carpenter is a genius, and the people that made Halloween Four were hacks. But <laughs> they're working on you know no money and an eleven day old script. But <laughs> but they I mean they got what they could out of it, and, and but they they matched the beats, and I felt like so much of this film was paced almost just like a New Hope, like it it even felt that way in a lot of ways. And I thought they're really trying to stay to this. So I I just sort of chalked up the Leia. Thing as well. They just either a lot of what she was going to do we got left on the cutting room floor, or it got pushed to another chapter later on down the line that we'll we'll see that when we see that, you know. Oh, yeah. But I but uh, you know again, I, uh, it's nothing against Carrie Fisher. I just felt like they didn't give her anything to do, so she was just sort of there. But to me, Han Solo steals the show, and and Chewie does too. Good good on Peter Mayhew for coming back and doing the scenes he yeah. could do. I know he didn't do all of the action scenes with Chewbacca, but. You know, again, he knows how to do the shrugs and the looks and the head tilts, and it was it was fun to see Chewbacca back on the screen and not be completely wasted like he was in Revenge of the Sith.
0: You know? Oh yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So I guess we should get into this. I mean, we we laid through the the plot. The good thing about this one is that, much like the other one, the plot isn't really that hard to understand. As a matter of fact, if you've seen yeah. uh, A New Hope, you've seen this movie. So I mean, you, you pretty well you you, you kind of seen this movie before. So it doesn't really you know get too hard. The thing that that I I sort of made some notes on was okay, the idea that the Republic is now what I guess everything's called again, but we have the Resistance. So instead of the Rebel fighters, they're the Resistance fighters. And it answered a question that I had always had after Return of the Jedi. I was like, is that it? <laughs> I mean, did we cut the head yeah. off the snake. Is that really it? And the answer was clearly not. And from yeah. that we get the first order. And I'll, I'll credit this film for something. That I I want to say this is probably Kazan's doing. I may be wrong, and just giving him a lot of credit for something he didn't come up with. But I credit I want to credit the writers for not over-explaining what all of these things were, and just kind of saying enough to get us into it, and then going with it. And I liked the the juxtaposition of the Republic, the Resistance, and then the the people of the First Order and this this Snoke fella.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, well, there were was, was so many, like, I I left this movie with a lot of, like, questions. I like, said, so, well, hold on, so who's this? Where's this? Like, what so what happened here? Like, uh, they don't tell, like, uh, like like I said, after Jedi kept, like, uh, everyone's reacting like it's all over. Like, a couple uh, teddy bears uh, take on a couple walkers, and a, and a space station blows up. That means this entire galaxy is free of the Empire. Who knows how that happened, uh, how every single Star Destroyer was taken down, like, uh, Maybe we'll never know, but, uh, I do like, uh, this, Uh, they don't really address this, but like, uh, I'm like in the 30 years since the empire was destroyed, I'm wondering why the Republic didn't literally replace the placement of the empire. Like, why isn't there, you know, uh, a thousand Republic, uh, star destroyers roaming the galaxy? Like, uh, like they do like the, the first order, they seem to have a pretty easy time, uh, Doing I, what they do. I lay that out as the idea of it's one thing if you take over a
1: country and that's clearly across the world from you or whatever. This is an entire galaxy and universe yeah. here. Like you, there's no way they could possibly reach them. The idea would be that now what they've done is flip the tables. The advantages are all on the Republic side because they control the government and, you know, presumably have all the resources and things. And the First Order are like the rebels were. They've got equipment. Hmm. They've got stuff. They've obviously got followers and leaders and people, but they have to do things in remote outposts. And they have to right. they have to hide a little bit. And and that what's funny is both groups are hiding from each other. You know, so it just, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, you're playing a blind game of Battleship or something. It's it's sort of neat <laughs> the way that, that that worked out with them. But, you know, I, I went with it. I love the idea that the it all starts the same way the first one did. It's a droid with a map and a message and a place to go. Hmm. You know, and it, and that's what we're going to get. And we get that great battle on Jakku at night where it's it's basically a night raid. And I thought, well, what a great idea to start a Star Wars movie you know, most of them start in space, right? There's something going on in space, which is dark. No, we actually started at night on a planet, and we see an invasion. And uh, we actually got to see the stormtroopers do effective work, dare I
0: say. Yeah. I mean,
1: that that was the thing, is these stormtroopers can actually shoot. You know, And, and they're yeah. pretty good, and they're kind of vicious.
0: Yeah, that definitely uh, struck me, was when they said, uh, so what do you want to do with the survivors of the village? And Kylo Ren says, well, kill them all. And they kill them all, platoon style. They just wipe out a whole... Village of people, it's like, oh man, they are not. First Order is not messing around. And I gotta mention the uh, the very first shot of this movie, maybe, might be in terms of like cool visuals, uh, you know, Abram stuff. This is probably the best thing in the movie, sadly. It's the very first thing in the movie, which was we see Jakku, and we see it looks like a shadow is being cast over the entire planet, but yeah. f- like it's some kind of new planet sized ship, when in fact it's just a, a star destroyer that's not lit properly. But, uh, I I did love that shot because it made me think uh, like something much more bigger was on the horizon. But no, it's just this, like the Empire. It's not the Empire again. It's just, it's, uh, who knows, maybe this is their own well, ship.
1: Well, it's the shadow of the Empire. I mean, I think that's, that's right. kind of what they're drawing from is that story and some, some of those ideas, too. And, uh, I mean, that's really what all this is based off of. I mean, let, let's just talk about it. Our new bad guy, Kylo Ren, we've talked about, you know, how Adam Driver played him. But as a character, he's so interesting because he's... He's supposed to represent like millennial angst in in a lot of ways, which his whole mission is. I want to be like you, grandfather, and I'm like, you must have missed the last two chapters of the story, brah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I hate to go Mark <laughs> Wahlberg on him. I'm like, come on, bro. You know, I mean, you didn't see the end where like I was redeemed and I was an old man and I was young again. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, oh, that's what gets me. Is it's it's this uh, well, this sort of s- funny notion about you know people it's not that people don't know history, it's that they selectively remember history and yeah. pick what they want. And obviously, for whatever reason, and I'm sure it'll be told to us later on, he has picked up on, I want to be the Darth Vader of my grandfather and not Anakin Skywalker. And, hmm. and But he's also, on the other hand, and this is the, the, the smartest thing about any character that they played here, um, is instead of being you know tempted by the dark side, he's tempted by the light. Which is a completely different set of emotions. I thought that was fantastic.
0: Yeah, kind of, kind of like you know the like in Return of the Jedi that play of you know Vader, kind of, sort of not the bad guy he was in Empire. Well, that's right away with Kylo Ren. He's a young guy. He's not. Who knows how he got to where he is? We're gonna find that out. But it's like whatever it is, he's just like inches away. Like you can see, he's in that one particular moment. He's like it's like a flip of a coin. He might just be ready to come. Back to the good side, and uh, but he doesn't, uh, sadly, and uh, and he is uh, Kylo Ren. I've seen uh, quite a bit of action movies and uh, crime movies, all these kinds of villains, and I think Kylo Ren is the villain of the year. Uh, uh, and yeah, uh, I I love this. Like they did come up with new. I uh, they probably came up with the most new concepts with the Force and stuff with him. Like the whole. The, I like the the brain torture thing, where it looks like. I don't know if he's like messing with a person's like psychic energy or if he's literally crushing the brain inside of the skull with the force, which doesn't have the same visual as choking somebody, but in terms of like it looks like it's causing a lot more pain. Well, it's actually smarter.
1: You- I can choke you to death or i can I can mind meld you to death yeah which i yeah. I, I attribute this to JJ. Abrams going, why couldn't he just do some of that Vulcan stuff, you know yeah because <laughs> I mean that's what he did with the Star Trek is like, why can't they do some Star Wars stuff? You know, and yeah. I mean that's, and I'm like, you know what? Why not? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, sure. you, if you're gonna
0: do a, if you're gonna do a soft reboot, damn, nah, might as well. You know, <laughs> at this sure, point, I, I got to mention uh, one nitpick I had, which was, uh, in the trailers, they show Kylo Ren torturing uh, Poe Dameron, and in the trailers they show Poe Dameron showing back up uh, in his X-wing suit. So there's clearly some kind of a time change. So when I saw that in, like Kylo Ren interrogating Poe. It's never addressed in the trailers, but I was so convinced that Kylo Ren doing that to Poe was him literally brainwashing him, and that when Poe comes back, he'd be turning his X wing on other X wings. But no, he's just just good guy, and uh, Kylo Ren didn't uh, think that far ahead. With you know, uh, he wasn't doing any Jedi mind tricks. He was just, just hurting him. But I don't know why. But for some reason, that bugged me. It's like, really, he's not going to turn. He's just uh, he's just gonna like the, the. I keep I keep hoping that in the next movie it's going to be. That he's going to suddenly turn on on the on the on the on the resistance, but uh, no, I be don't think that was a wasted from, opportunity.
1: Be the mole from the inside. I mean, I think that would have been one twist too many, though, for a film again that is trying to follow a predecessor's beats, that would have just been one one thing too many. Because, look, he has the same thing as Han Solo. He shows up and has a cool scene in the beginning. He kind of disappears in the middle. And at the end, he shows up and has an awesome scene at the end. I mean, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of what they did with that. I mean, I think Han got a little bit more in the first film, but it's not much. And so, the, I mean, they're totally playing this guy as that. But Kylo Ren comes off, again, from the Force powers of being able to block the bolt, to I love his lightsaber and the fact that it 's like screwed up and doesn 't work right and i, I <laughs> took that as one of two ways I was like either that 's you know and I think now i and the more i 've read about it it's it's the latter, but at first, I thought that's somebody that like that 's supposed to mirror the fact that he 's like almost totally unhinged because anytime he gets bad news he just like freaks out. You know, yeah. and break and break shit. You know, which which is hilarious, but and it's petulant, but it's exactly what that character should do. And then uh, the other thought I had was that that was you know built by somebody that wasn't ready to build one yet and didn't know what they were doing. And yeah. I think that's what we're supposed to be told is that he didn't really know how to do it, so he you know he broke this and it didn't work right. So it's it's mm-hmm. like almost about to fall apart. But he gives his saber like this. You know what it reminded me of was the Game of Thrones bit where the swords are on fire. You know, and all that, and I was like, that's exactly what that's taking me to, and that's not a bad place to put me at, because I thought that was a fantastic part of that season, and it's, it it matches his character, though, his saber matches his character, you know, there's parts of him, we don't understand why it's there, like, why would you need a cross handle on a lightsaber until you (laughs) see it used? And you're like, oh, that's a genius idea! Burn the guy's shoulder while you're in a lock
0: with him. Oh yeah, that was you know? that was badass. Like, yeah, with that very first teaser when they show the 3 beta lightsaber, the internet went nuts. Yeah, about, what is that? Why would he have that? What is that? What is the purpose of that? Colbert did a great thing of breaking that down, <laughs> of you know, uh, uh, of why that's actually one of the coolest things ever. But yeah, it, 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 that scene, that, that that lightsaber fight where he drives it into Finn's shoulder, and it was like. Like it's been two years. Finally, I know what that was for, and it was totally worth it because that was the most painful scene in the movie. Uh, oh, because like, yeah. we've never seen that in a, like what happens if you're drive like if, what happens if you drive a lightsaber into a guy's flesh, but not entirely. It must be the most like excruciating pain and burning and slicing. It was just, but it was it was perfect for that character. Oh yeah,
1: and look the way that the way that he
0: fights with it, he fights like a
1: combination of the old school. Uh, type of of, uh, Jedi that we knew from the original trilogy and the the more graceful style that we saw in the the prequel trilogy. I mean, he's a good mix of of things. Everybody else is kind of a brute with the sword, again, because, again, they don't know what they're doing with it, for the most part. But I thought thought the way he played that was great. And it's just a fun character to watch, because you don't know what his deal is. Like, his mask is all screwed up. And I'm like, I don't, did they get burnt? Did it get stepped on? Did you drop it in the wash? I mean, why is that messed up? I don't know. You're not telling me. But it it made him fun to look at. And when he finally pulled the mask off, like, I was expecting, like, hideous, you know, something. I thought, yeah. they're going to go, they're going to try to freak us out here with this. And no, it's just, like, the nerdiest looking dude on the planet. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's like, you? I mean, that's that's the reaction I had. And I thought. Well, you know what? That's really effective then, because I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to see that when he pulled his mask off, and it was effective. It was a it's a it's a great way to introduce a new villain to a saga that is known for its villains. You know? It, it, oh yeah, it's yeah
0: the the mask bit. It's that it's the Michael Keaton Batman thing, because Michael Keaton's not necessarily an intimidating guy. You put that mask on, it's like it may, it makes sense. Oh, this is a guy who who, like, you know, he's not intimidating on his own, so he needs to create something to intimidate people, and that's exactly what Kylo Ren is, because he couldn't look less threatening uh, with that mask off. Yeah, he looks like
1: like an Uber driver without it. I mean, you know, or or that he he could be your lit professor's, you know, TA or something. Hmm. I mean, he does not look menacing at all by himself, but with that mask and that, you know the whole get-up and the way he does things. And, look, obviously he scares people. There's a scene later where he's breaking stuff because he's pissed off, and, like, two stormtroopers are coming down the hall, and they're like, never mind, <laughs> we're going to go this way. Which, again, yeah. some of that, that Abrams humor. We also get introduced, though, to Finn. We don't, we don't know it's him for a little while here, but we mark a stormtrooper, like the defecting stormtrooper. And I was like, what a great idea, because they establish in this that these are not clones anymore. That they just take these children... Kind of like the the African you know warlord stories about the you know the children yeah. soldiers and stuff. They just take these people and train them in to be soldiers. And this guy, what we find out is he was a sanitation worker and obviously wanted to be something more in the uh, you know first order. So he did all the training. He finally did good enough that he got to be in combat. And his first time in combat, he has an entire attack of conscience and he can't do it. You know, he yeah. can't slaughter innocent people on command because that's not the way things should be done. And you know. He, he sees one of his bunnies get gunned down and he bleeds and he puts those three bloody marks across his face. And mm. clearly, so we can find him, you know, again, but it, it also <laughs> humanizes the character. And John Boyega it's, was just so fun as this character because he got the biggest arc uh, next to Ray of anybody in this thing because he goes from, you know, scaredy cat, stormtrooper, just trying to escape to reluctant hero to freaking hero. At the end of this thing, and, I, and a real tough dude, and I thought he was just fabulous. I I loved watching this guy on the screen. He was funny, he was charismatic, and he completely sold me on the emotions of what he was going through each moment.
0: Oh yeah, this like that first this first scene with Finn, like where he, where he him and Poe steal the tie uh, the tie fighter. It it brings up a major improvement in this series compared to the prequels, which is just energy, like. When they're in the middle, when they're in that TIE fighter taking on the turns and they hit and, you know, he and after Finn hits a turn, he just starts screaming. Did you see that? Did you see that? It was like, oh, geez, characters are actually like excited and happy and having fun in a Star Wars movie. That 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 did not happen at all in those prequels. Oh, no, no,
1: none of that. Again, that's I also attribute that to part of the generation this is written for and geared toward. The, the behind the scenes, we know all the secrets, there are no more magic, you know, so just make it fun. So that's what people do nowadays. I mean, it used to be a guy scored a winning touchdown in the Super Bowl and he celebrated. Now you make a good tackle and you're dancing, you know, halfway down the field. I mean, that's that's the world we live in now, you know, and I think I think they just uh, they did a good job of playing to that because what he was doing was being the audience with us at the same time you know the idea of like did you, isn't that awesome because you know, that's what everybody in the theater is supposed to be saying too which they were you know i mean Lee saw was so i i loved his his energy and i loved it too how he tried to i mean all the comedy that the the self uh deprecating comedy that he had you know the whole idea of, like, hey, I'm kind of a big deal. Okay, big deal. <laughs> you know, and I mean, you know, Solo keeps throwing it back at him. And, you know, all this other stuff is like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in the uh, resistance. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> just going with it. It's like, come on, droid, come on. You know, and he's trying to convince him to, to help. And I don't know. I, again, I liked Boyega. I liked the idea of a defecting stormtrooper, though, you know, because he's the one that breaks Damron out of, uh, you know, prison on aboard that Star Destroyer. And um, and he does it totally for selfish reasons. I can't fly. This guy can yeah. fly. Fly me the heck away from here. And buddy, do they ever? And uh, that was a fantastic scene too. I've always wondered what does it look like inside of a TIE fighter, and yeah. how does that work? And now we know. And, and you know what? It's really cool. It's a cool piece of tech.
0: Oh yeah, that was that was an awesome scene. Uh, shot where they do a three sixty from inside the TIE fighter. I was like, well, how? Uh, that that was a uh, that was a great shot. I was like, well, how... How, like I, I that was like puzzling to me it's like well how do they do that like how like cuz every every t- it looked like they were in a tiny space yet we were doing a 360 around the guys inside of a cockpit of a ship i'd never i've never seen that before right it was a great shot and they have a great escape
1: it's a lot of fun and you know they end up going right back to where they started from <laughs> you know it's just of course, that's not where you know uh Finn wants to go at all, but they crash land, and then... I, now, I'll ask you this. Were you... Did you think Poe was dead? Because I was like, no, he just went off somewhere else, clearly. You know, well, I didn't I didn't believe for a minute he was dead.
0: Oh, the the trailer's kind of ruined that, because, like, well, I know he shows up in his X-Wing outfit at some point, so he's clearly not dead.
1: Yeah, so I was like, this this guy's coming back, but we've got to get this guy on his journey for a little while, and he's yeah. he's stripping off the suit, and he's walking through the desert alone, and, you know, he's... He's, he's you know in a desert on a horse with no name and he's you know he's looking for a, mm-hmm. you know water and, and all this stuff and we then we in while he's you know stumbling toward uh, the wretched hive of scum and villainy, we meet <laughs> our our other new character and I'm gonna go ahead and say this now I absolutely love the character of Ray and it's not because she's just a cute girl and all this stuff I yeah. thought this was a, a such a a modern take on the hero the reluctant hero or the the un, the hero with unknown skills and things because and i've seen this movie knocked for this too in, in a lot of different reviews and it just it amazes me people can't get the idea of you know what we've done the hero's journey a million times where they take 10 years to figure out what to do wouldn't it be neat to see somebody that picked up the gun and was like holy cow i'm really good at this you know cuz yeah, that but, actually happens in real life by the way like people just do stuff and they're like oh wow i'm really good at math you know i didn't know that yeah. and and it just happens and i love that and i wrote in my notes like this girl has skills and i love yeah. the way she she's a scavenger you know she can fend for herself she's living in an old burnout ad at which was awesome I mean, I thought that was cool, and she she totally doesn't need anybody to take care of her. I mean, every time that you know she's running or uh, Finn's trying to run away from people looking for BB8 or whatever, you know, he's grabbing her by the hand and she's like, "Let me go! I don't yeah. need you to drag me along." I, I I I thought this character was fantastic, and Daisy Ridley again played it perfectly. For somebody again, I don't know from anything, and from what I understand, hasn't done a ton else uh, of work. Really, really played vulnerable, but um, quick, quick witted, and smart, and I just so jumped into it with both feet. I I thought she was fabulous every time she was on the screen.
0: Oh yeah, she re- she really is great. Uh, I don't I, I don't know what I was expecting from this character. Like I I think maybe a lot of people were thinking, oh, and like here is another uh, this is this if this is episode uh. Four again, here is our Princess Leia standing. It's like, no, not really. It's, it's way more closer. This is the Luke Skywalker. Uh, yeah, she's stand-in. more like,
1: she's, I'll tell you what she is. She's Katniss Everdeen in Star Wars. Sure. That's, that's what she is. I mean, I, and I actually sort of expected that halfway going into this. I'm like, there's no way they're going to have a female character in a movie, you know, made in 2015 that's not awesome at everything, because that's what we're at now with female characters in action movies. They're incredible oh, yeah, this, at everything. The, and I'm like, time. you know what? Yeah, I was, like, this, I was like, I'm surprised she didn't have a bow. You know, I'm yeah. like, I guess they couldn't figure out a way to write that in, so they gave her the stick. You know, to to which has no like it's got all these gadgets on it, and all she does is whale people with it. I don't know what that you know uh, pole vaulting stick is for, but yeah. maybe we'll see in another episode. But um, but she's great with it, and she's she's smart. And the thing, and and it's also the thing too. And this is the question I had for you: Who do you think she belongs to? Family-wise, because there's a lot of theory out there, but I'm like, that is Skywalker blood if I've ever seen it on the screen. And if I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong on that episode, but I think that's exactly who she is.
0: Oh yeah, for, for sure. Like this is this is like this is not hinted at in the movie specifically, but uh, I think very much we're gonna find out that Luke Skywalker left her on that planet uh, for whatever reason. Maybe the same yeah. reason that, that you know that Luke himself was taken to Tatooine to keep her safe. Whatever it is, I think we're gonna find out that her last name is Skywalker.
1: Well, yeah, that and I mean, the other things, too, and this is nods to the prequels. Remember, like, if you can get away from the bad performance of it and everything, how Anakin was just good at everything and he didn't really know mm-hmm. how, you know, you could oh, yeah. write that off as instead of midichlorians as somebody who has the force so strong with it, they don't even know how good they are. I mean, he was it an does. amazing pilot for a young kid. She's an amazing pilot for a young lady, you know, and she and she even says she gets in the Millennium Falcon and does stuff in it that she's like, how did I do that? I don't even know what I was doing, you know, but she's just great at it. And I'm like, it's so cool to see somebody who has no idea how good they really are. And then they just get out there and blow it away. You know, I mean, that's that's so rare to find these days. You know, I, I likened it. And this is a a different, you know, set of talent. But all I can do, the first time I saw Kelly Clarkson on the original American Idol, I thought, <laughs> that voice is coming out of that girl who works at <laughs> the CBS? I'm like, that is incredible. I mean, she didn't even realize how good she was. And, you know, and now, of course, she's a major pop star and all this kind of stuff and has an incredible set of pipes. But, and has honed it through the years. And I think that's the thing to see, is that I'm I'm looking forward to watching her get even better at this. Because she was awesome without any training. You know, imagine what Ray's going to be like down the road, I mean, oh, God, it's going to amp it up. But I, I, thought she was cool, and I, I'll tell you now, the way you know, the, the whole joke about how they wind up in the the Millennium Falcon is great. But the the coolest thing for me, and this is a J. J. Abrams thing again, he loves to nitpick and pull things from, like, 80s movies that he grew up with and just sort of drop them in his films from time to time. And there's a total Top Gun moment in this movie <laughs> when the gun gets stuck in one position, and she she does the I'm-going-to-hit-the-brakes-and-he'll-fly-right-by move, essentially, right. and and Finn blows the TIE Fighter away. And I was like, that is so Top Gun. That is awesome. She even does the, the throttle and the stick move, which you know, why would that even work the same way in a spaceship, but I was like, you know, yeah. that is and, I, I, you know, maybe I'm reading more into it than it is, but I, I feel like that's the kind of thing J.J. J. Abrams would throw in there, and <laughs> I'm like, and, and then I did the math on it, and I said, that actress wasn't even born when that movie was made, <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's how old that reference is, but for people like me that have seen Top Gun a lot and know that that, that reaches out, it's just another piece of nostalgia. Like I said, this movie could have been called The Nostalgia Awakens, because this sure. movie is just full of it, and that was another moment of it, and I, it was fantastic their escape in the, the Millennium Falcon is fantastic
0: and uh
1: well great action
0: scene oh yeah, it is, and my favorite part of that was uh again with the nostalgia is uh, i got i i got a couple like real jolts of nostalgia in terms of like the the side stuff the like certain props and when he's when when Finn jumps into the gunner seat and the the red and yellow uh, uh yeah the
1: old the old gunner side from the seventies shows up. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, when that was like, oh man, that's so cool, and I loved it when when he's like when he actually he shoots somebody, and he says, "I'm getting pretty good at this," and like, what's he doing? He's he's getting cocky. He just doesn't have Han Solo to tell him he's being cocky in the country I thought. That that, was, that
1: yeah, the, and the the idea is when he first gets in it, he the controls are so harsh, like he's just slinging himself around. He doesn't even realize what he's doing, and I'm like, well, you know, that would be like if you took a modern you know, uh, fighter pilot and you stuck them in an old B-52 gunner seat, it'd take them a second to figure out what they were doing because they had to crank it and turn it. Nothing's automatic anymore. It's all manual. But I, I thought that was cool, too, that they left that in. But, like you know nobody had bothered to upgrade the Millennium Falcon ever. Yeah. It's like the it's like your uncle's junker car that like for some reason nobody ever washes or ever does anything to. You've never changed <laughs> the oil in it and you're kind of afraid to because if you do you're afraid it'll fall apart. You know <laughs> that that is the Millennium Falcon here and uh, and they waste no time getting it getting us back to Han and Chewie like when they were being captured there. And again, I knew no spoilers of this. I was like, this has got to be Han and Chewie, because where's that scene of them running onto the Falcon going, I'm home? I thought that would have been them, you know, from the trailer, them doing that big chase that we just saw. And that's another thing, too. J.J. Abrams took all the space battles and put them on, like, from a land view, which is a a neat way of doing it. Instead of being in the cockpit so much and all that stuff, you're actually, it's like you're watching it from the ground.
0: It's a really cool way of doing it it was yeah, it's really cool that first in that first trailer when you see the falcon swooping out uh you know swooping upside down and on the sand blowing up like that it was like it was like man i've never seen the millennium falcon do stuff like this and good time to point out that the cg i thought actually was uh, it was it was very well done it was on par with uh, i thought that the effects weren't quite as mind blowing as maybe they were in like in, in like empire strikes back in the asteroid fight but i thought that the effects in this movie they were very good
1: they're good though the worst effects are when they try to create creatures with uh, c g i like the the monsters that are crawling around on Han and chewy ship and some of that stuff It's kind of kind of cheesy it's it's a little Howard felt like the a duck movie. yeah, I felt like Howard the Duck or something for like five minutes so i don't, I don't know yeah. if that's what that's a nod to or not but th- it it felt like that, but all the fighting sequences and stuff oh it's fantastic it's as well done as anything that they've put together and and uh Again, I I put a lot of it, you know, it reminded me a lot of the the aerial sequences in Top Gun and the way Tony Scott and his cinematographers were able to capture the frenetic pace of that. It felt like that uh, this time. But again, the point of view was was different because you're watching it from the ground up instead of from the sky down. Uh, which mm-hmm. which makes it, you know, completely cool. And but uh, you know, we get Han and Chewie back. We've talked a lot about Han and Chewie and the Falcon and all the, all that stuff. And the whole bit here is that they've got to get this droid. They finally convinced it to tell them, you know, I've got something that's very important. I've got to get it back to the resistance. And they uh, they you know, Han does the whole bit about, well, I don't know if I want to go back to see the old lady and all this and you you kind of wonder what's going on and it's in the middle of all of that. That we meet Snoke and we get on the ship with Kylo Ren and we find out he's Han and Leia's son. And how did you like how that was revealed? That it was a third party telling us that that uh, that big of a piece of information.
0: Yeah, like I I think I, that might have been something I had spoiled for me, or so there was speculation that you know one of these characters in the movie is going to be one of the old characters' kids. And when they said so. I, So, I wasn't that surprised when they said it's uh, Han Solo's kid. I was surprised that they really didn't make a huge deal out of it. Like, that's something you you expect that's going to be the empire moment. Like, the last, like, you're going to find out at that catwalk scene that Han Solo is is, is his son, is his father. But uh, it didn't bother me. I I, I was always worried. It's like, really? Like, we've got to keep making the universe smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, of course, Anakin has to build R two. Oh, the new villain of this movie has to be Han Solo's son. But first, I think it it worked for for me.
1: I it worked fine for me too because it it let me know that while this is going to involve the same set of families and people we've known, that's not what we want you to pay attention to. We want you to pay attention to all this other stuff. We're just going to drop that information on you. So now that you've had that out of the way, you can pay attention to the way the rest of this goes. And I thought that was smart. And and went really well. And I love how Kylo Ren tries to play it off. Like he means nothing to me, but then later on, you see, he's like sitting there and he's, you know, weeping almost because he's, yeah. please let me get away from you know the good and let me be evil. And it's just a different kind of prayer. Like we said, he's, he's pulled toward the light versus pulled toward the darkness, which is a complete flip of what we've ever seen. Like it's always been about somebody trying to stave off the evil inside of more well, in this case. This guy just went for the evil and now he's trying to push away the good, you know. It's he knows better, but yet he will. He's he's willfully going against it. And I, I thought that was a neat play for the, the whole thing. Now the one thing I will knock this for, is, for unoriginality, is this whole Star Killer base business here. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, here so I had seen I had seen the poster of this, and I was like, they like built the Death Star gun in the middle of a planet. That seems kind of dangerous for the planet you know <laughs> like <laughs> I started I became Neil deGrasse Tyson for like five seconds I'm like wasn't that really yeah. damage your own self oh stop stop it's a movie you know so and I, I was like oh no it's just just a movie And I thought well I guess they, they decided we've got new characters we're killing off a beloved old character maybe we shouldn't throw too much new on everybody's first time so let's just do the Death Star 3.0 and it'll work about as effectively as the other ones did <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, uh, I was like, eh, and I don't even know. They destroyed something. Did they destroy, like, politicians? I don't even know what they blew up in the end. And nobody bothers to cry over any of them, so apparently nobody gives a damn.
0: Yeah, uh, like, uh, yeah. again, with the Death Star. Uh, I don't mind them making another uh, a Death Star. It's a nice, quick way for the First Order to, to, to try and take over. What I do mind is it's it seems like it's never been easier to destroy uh, the most uh, destructive force in the universe. No defluxer <laughs> yeah. shield. Yeah. No coverings over any of the or the ports that these X-Wings just fly right through. It's like they really didn't think well, the it's like they of that base through. It's like they built
1: the defense that had already been beat before and just figured everybody on the other side would have forgotten it. And then the old people were like, no, remember we just blow the shields up. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's like, oh. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's like playing video games with the cheat code. I mean, the first time. Yeah. I mean, sure, it's fun, but. <laughs> but again, if the, if they're gonna you know not do anything about it, well, okay, <laughs> you know, I, and it's arbitrary to the story. It completely is because I don't even think it matters. It we just have to have something to have a big action scene to build around, and it's it's a it's a it's the it might as well have been called plot device based. You know, sure. because it's, it's completely right. useless and, and uh, you know, MacGuffin based part three, you know, whatever it was. It was terrible. Uh, but I, the thing is, is it, it, the tech behind it seems kind of neat. It's like we're going to drain a sun and shoot all of its energy to blow up a whole series of planets and moons and create another sun on the other side of the galaxy. And I'm like, man, that seems like he, that's even worse than like drive by shooting a planet like that's pretty. Yeah. I mean, they like did that from way away. You know, I was like, "Wow, it's like a a hail mary Death Star all of a sudden." So, uh, which yeah, is the... kind of weird. So,
0: yeah, I'm the... like, "How do you
1: how do you target
0: that?" I mean, I don't yeah, know no, how that yeah. would work? Yeah, they didn't really nail down that thing. But I, like uh, the Star Killer thing is is kind of like this. I, I do love the visual of this thing, like harnessing the power of a star. That is that's pretty epic. It makes me think of like old school like Marvel comics cosmic stuff like Galactus yeah. or like ego the guy who is is, is a giant, is a planet that is alive or, or something and uh yeah i was thinking that like this 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 idea of this this weapon that destroys multiple planets at once is enough that they could have made a whole movie about that and they kind of just throw it in there like this out of, out of nowhere in the middle of the movie it's like it fires a shot it's like well what's it doing and then uh, th- when the shots spread out that's that, that i thought that was cool it's like oh, whoa, whoa what, what's this now and then it just you know each planet hits like it's not even like a it's, it's, it just turns it to ash like instantly like Krypton blowing up.
1: I mean, yeah, it just completely it vaporizes it all. You know, like I'll tell you the thing that that it struck me of, and this is going to seem weird if you've ever seen the old nineteen eighty six Transformers movie, the the um, animated one or whatever. There's like a the Galactus type eating planet source thing that's voiced by Orson Welles. In Unicron, <laughs> Unicron, there we go. Thank you. It it, it reminded me of like kind of like Unicron if it sort of worked in reverse. Unicron ate everything, but then this thing just kind of shoots everything. And so, again, it's the base of convenience, you know. So, which also will give rise to the. Uh, cliffs of convenience and the ravine of convenience later that we'll talk about. Uh, but, uh, it, I mean, it's a total plot contrivance, but we have to have something for them to do, and okay, that's fine. It, I even like the way that the the whole, like, town hall meeting around the big sphere of uh, holograms is totally undercut by Harrison Ford going like, hadn't we done this like twice before? Like let's just go yeah. blow the shield up and we'll, you know, we'll blow it up. And Ren's like, yeah, we'll find a way. He's like, yeah, I like this guy. We'll just make the shit up as we go along. You know <laughs> And I mean? Cause that's pretty much what they do. So, and uh, yeah, they, I, but yeah, they they totally just wing it. <laughs> so.
0: they, they they do save it. Like when they were talk they were basically, it was the exact same scene out of a new hope. It's like, it, it felt I felt like oh, really they're doing, it. but when Han Solo like said it like how do we blow it up? there's always a way to blow it up I it's just like, want oh, like, thank thankfully someone said it. I just wanted Admiral Akbar to go be
1: careful, there might be a trap you know <laughs> so I wanted him I wanted him to say that at least once, but I guess that would have been too much fan service at at that guess, point yeah. so I get the well had probably family guy probably ruined that for everyone. So uh, the fact that that couldn't happen again, but as that's going, before we even get to the plan about that, we you know we meet the Star Killer base, we see how that's going down, and we meet the new cantina scene here, and we get this odd character Maz, who's this sort of ancient alien fortune teller. I don't know what she is, but she's got a piece of tech that mm. Ray gets a hold of. Uh, it's Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. That he lost when Darth Vader cut off his hand on Bespin. Now, remind me of this, Kurt. It's just been a while since I've seen The Empire Strikes Back. But if I'm not mistaken, that was a city in the clouds, right? Yeah. And Luke got his hand cut off over an air shaft.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> where did she find that? And I know that it's played off a long story for another day. I'm like, bullshit, tell me that now. How did you find that? Was it laying around? Somebody come across it one day? I mean, was it floating in space and it hit a space shuttle? What? How did you get that?
0: Yeah, I I gotta say, that literally, that did not occur to me until right now. It's like, oh, it's probably Luke Skywalker's uh, lightsaber from the last movie. Well, it was green last time. It's like, oh, yeah. So what so like he got because they say yeah it was his father's before him oh so this is this is that old school lightsaber that Kenobi showed him and it isn't very clear exactly how they got that like that some best Bespin janitor at the very bottom of that well it, I mean it, if <laughs> if
1: we're to understand it this is the one Anakin Skywalker slaughtered younglings with fought Obi Wan Kenobi yeah. Kenobi for an hour on a lava planet with and got cut away from before Kenobi stole it from him. Or took it from him and then, you know, went off and and hid it for 30 years before he gave it to Luke. And now it's been another 30 years. So this thing's at least 70 years old at this point. I mean, this is an old thing. But now it's also, like, mystical. It's like the Ark of the Covenant or something. You touch it, and instead of dying, you have, like, visions. And Ray has all of these... Like hurried flashbacks, and it, on the second watch, I caught it because I was listening for it. Of all the voices that they they loop in there, they loop in Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor and Yoda, and it's all you know. It's all these people talking to her about you know destiny and lineage and all this stuff. And and we see that scene that was in the trailer of the Luke's hand on top of the R two D two where he's like yeah. mind melding with it or whatever. You know, I don't know what what that is, but. She's seeing, oh, there's all these visions happening to her, and then she wakes up and she freaks out about it. And I that whole, that part of it kind of took me out for a minute, because I thought, at no time in Star Wars-dom have we ever seen an item do that, or the Force have that kind of an effect on someone. So I, I'm wondering, are they introducing something new with the Force there,
0: or what? Well, I think that there if anything it's if that's abrams like just changing up like the film grammar of this uh mm. of this series cuz that yeah, that definitely stood out like when all of a sudden we cut into like you know middle of a dream scene it almost looked like ray was in the middle of the uh the best uh, uh hallway where darth vader pops in uh if i could find, if i could put a screenshot of the two together that would make more sense but it was i it was really weird i i kind of felt cheated when uh we see luke skywalker that that that's the shot from the trailer and realize that's the, the that's the coolest thing you're gonna see Luke Skywalker do is show his hand a little bit, like because when when the, like the epic shot from the trailer with Kylo Ren in the rain with his guys behind him. And his lightsaber out, I thought, "Oh, here we go! Epic lightsaber fight! Oh, it's Luke! Here we go!" And they cut to yeah, the dream's over, and like I was really yeah, like, excited to see that play out. Maybe we'll see that in another movie, though.
1: That's what I'm wondering. Like, if that's supposed to be when Ren turned on the you know the Jedi Academy that Luke started, and you know cut it all to pieces, or, or what? If that's when he and his men did that, and you know notice all his men too, not all of them have lightsaber. Some of them just have guns and you know yeah. battle axes and all. Like they're a ragtag kind of group, so. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I was that was one of those that just left me with a whole lot of questions. And I'm like, clearly, that's what that scene's supposed to do is just make you go, Ooh, ah, look at all this. Maybe we'll explain it. Maybe we won't. We have 25 movies to make. We're Disney. You know, so I mean, th- that's what that felt like. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's the it's the only scene like that in the movie. So it's weird. You know, because that's the thing that I kept waiting for him to do every time Kylo Ren is is doing his force-mind thing on people is that we would see a collage of what he's seeing, and we never get that. And maybe that's why they didn't, because they knew they were going to play this this way. But um, I kept waiting for that. But the attack goes down, and, oh, it's a cool attack. I mean, you've got, you've got all these stormtroopers coming in, and there's all this stuff going down there, chasing the BB-8 still, and Kylo Ren's there. And then over the water one of the coolest shots are the X-Wings coming over the water and the surf they're kicking up as they're whizzing by and getting ready to just lay the hammer down on everybody. And that's when Poe returns, too. And not only is he a great pilot, he's an amazing shot. <laughs> Going yeah. about Mach 2, he's knocking down single soldiers standing next to people. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, that was something else. Uh, yeah, that, that shot in the trailer, that was the shot that really got me. Never mind the Millennium Falcon. When they cut to that shot of, like, three ty- uh, three X-Wings, opening their S fills above uh, uh above water. I just thought that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. That just that just that really got me. It is
1: it is cool. I mean it's fantastic and the, the battle is great there, but it's quick. That's the thing. It doesn't last a you know very long. I mean we we get a little bit though of Finn because he's got the lightsaber at that point and I love the first time he gets it, he impales somebody with it. And like you see them dying on it, and just cracks their armor around it. And I was like, that was pretty. That's one thing I'll say about it. This movie is incredibly violent. Like there's a lot of blood yeah. and a lot of people getting killed. Like it is a this is a violent Star Wars movie.
0: It is, but in in a cool like in a cool way. Like it never it never went oh, beyond yeah. the pale, but it was it was violent in that way of like uh, in a New Hope when when Obi Wan takes like you know, hacks those guys to pieces in the cantina. Yeah, exactly. that was I mean, pretty and I did li they really I love how they did make a big deal. Like they made the lightsaber a big deal. Like when he switches that on, it, it it felt like it just it just like it like it meant it meant something. It wasn't just like in you know, in the prequels where every other guy just has a lightsaber, like they get them cut in half, whatever. Here's another one.
1: Well, yeah, and what's great is that the, the stormtrooper that pulls out the, you know, the stick that apparently can't be cut by the lightsaber and starts yeah. going at him. And you can tell clearly Finn doesn't know what to do with this thing. Like, he really only knows how to stab and hack people that aren't looking, <laughs> but he doesn't know how to fight anybody that knows what they're doing with it. And I, that was great. And the fact that somebody else has to shoot that guy, um, hmm. you know, and save him, I think it's Han that does, that That was great. I mean, I thought, you know, that, that we can only have one character that's graded everything the first time they touch it, and it ain't going to be Finn. You know, he's he's going to dive in head first, but he may get in over his skis a few times, as we'll see. So uh, the best part, though, is when Kylo Ren catches up to Ray, you know, because she tries to shoot him and he's able to sort of force hold her and threaten her a little bit. And then he realizes, I don't need the robot. I'll just drag it out of you. And I'm like, okay. that's an interesting plan, but maybe you should go ahead and get the robot too, just in case you yeah. can't. But I love the fact that again, his character is so the hubris of his character is so that he's like, I don't need the stupid droid; I can just drag it out of this girl because he doesn't think she's that big a deal at this point. And you know, he runs, he goes off with her. You know, we see Han staring at him, and he has that moment with Leia later about it. I mean, it's a it's a big moment to see him get away, and this is the the moment. In the you know the middle of of the original Star Wars where everything seems to be going okay but then again it's really not <laughs> and yeah you know we, we our characters are lost we don't know what we're doing and we're trying to come up with an attack plan and the the neatest bit comes here next though is when Ren tries to drag through her mind and you see that Ray's able not only to fight him off but she's able to turn the tables on him and go you're scared. You know, and like pushing back, and you can tell that just freaks him out completely.
0: It is, uh, and it was a great. I love the bit where he takes the helmet off, and it looks like and he slams it into into some sand, and it looks like the helmet weighs like two tons. With how fast that came down, and I like, I love their dialogue talking about how you'll never be as powerful as Darth Vader. Like I like that, but it has. I think the we- the weirdest moment in the movie is where he's trying. Uh, Kylo Ren's doing the brain torture thing, and it's not working. And then I thought the scene got pretty odd because I don't know how long it was, but it felt like a whole minute where we're just looking at Adam Driver holding his hand in front of Daisy Ridley's face without anyone talking. Uh, f- yeah, if you and, were to and, and watch nothing... this,
1: if you were to watch this without the sound on, you would think, is is there a joke? <laughs> like, it's what's yeah. supposed to be happening here? It isn't. It is extraordinarily long of them gazing at each other for reasons like. I guess we're supposed to see that that's the mental push and pull, but since there's no visual to go with it, and this movie is so built on visuals, like I didn't see any waves going, you know, like some, you know, wavy air or something going back yeah. and forth between them. Something would have keyed it off. Because I'm with you, that went on a little bit longer than it needed to.
0: Yeah, like something, have them say something, Maybe, or even some force, less than force lightning crackle or something. But it's like you know, or just or just cut it shorter, something, Abrams. Yeah, that needed to be tripped just a little bit on that. But I like that.
1: what we're getting clued into here is that he realizes, ooh, she's strong with the Force and doesn't know it yet. And she slowly begins to figure out, wait a minute, maybe I can do this whole power of suggestion thing to people too. And that's when she lays it on the Daniel Craig stormtrooper. And that plays out, that is a great scene, not only of comedy, but just of somebody sort of coming into their own. Like, she's like, you're going to let me go and leave your gun. You know, so yeah. you know. It's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I might need that too. Yes, and here it is. You know, and I I love her escape is because and this is the the twist on it is instead of being the damsel in distress waiting for people to come get her, she just she does the buffy thing and just creates her own escape. Which, yeah. being a fan of that, I'm I'm watching this going like this is a total Buffy thing. Like this, you know this that's what these modern female heroines can go back to. You know, people is that, and I love seeing that played out again and again and again. I mean, it's it's an archetype I like, and so I'm watching this like I'm watching Buffy get out of a trap. I mean, I was I was down with it. I thought it was fun.
0: Oh yeah, it's fan- it is fantastic. The the you know it, it's the total twist on Leia being in prison. It's like Leia. It would have been. Uh, I bet you Lucas was watching this movie. Uh, apparently, he didn't care for the movie, but he deep down inside he was watching a couple things. Like, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of someone using the force to stop a laser bolt? Why didn't I think of Leia? Well,
1: oh, Kurt, Kurt, that's because we're too busy worrying about minutia, like robots yeah. that get cut down like butter. You know. <laughs> also, also, I'm running the business over here, kid. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Now, Lucas is sitting on his piles of billions that he got from this going, I really don't care what anyone thinks anymore. Mm -hmm. So, Laughing at it. He cannot like the movie all the way to the bank. So, um, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I mean that uh, yeah, her escape is neat. I love, you know, you've got Ren and, and, or uh, Finn and uh, Han and Chewie running around looking for her and then they kind of bump into her, you know, all of a sudden. And the fact that Chewie tells heard that this was all Finn's idea. And like she just you know grabs him and and like they're totally bonded at that moment. And I'm like, you know what? That, that, and that's what I keep saying. These two had such great chemistry together, and it reminded me so much of that Titanic chemistry, but not in the romantic way. Like the thing that sold me on the Titanic romance wasn't the romance. It was the fact that Leo and Kate looked like they would actually be friends. And the funny part is, is to realize in life they actually are friends. You know, and they they got on so well that they you know they built a friendship off of this. You can tell when actors can fake it well enough, like they hate each other, but they really can make it work, you know, that there's there's that kind of chemistry. And then you can tell people that really get along and seem to like each other and are having fun as characters, and these two seem to really get that. And it just sort of bonded them in a way that we hadn't had before. Like, you know, these two as a tag team are going to be really neat to watch together when they when they get back together in the next film or whenever it is, Um but you know that's that gets them away we get through the plan of attack which is the plan of convenience as i've said and you know we've done this before well we'll do it all again and again and again you know and we get all that and we you know we get the uh, the, the thing here and i love the fact that it's chewy's idea is actually the better one on how to blow up the uh the whatever the uh hole of convenience that they've got to blow up to you <laughs> know knock the star killer out whatever it is i don't i don't remember what they called it it a motivator, whatever um, it doesn't matter. But I love that it's like a big power plant that they got to blow up, right? And we get the showdown of Han Solo and Kylo Ren. And I will say, I was so into the movie at this point that I did not see it coming, and I should have totally seen it coming. Because second time around, I'm like, God, I must have been totally over the moon about this movie to not see what was about to happen to him, right there. Because he walked into it. <laughs> I mean, as yeah. as much as. Ben dropping his uh, lightsaber for Darth Vader. This is the same thing.
0: Yeah, this uh, this scene. I even though I had it spoiled for me months ago uh, by a random YouTube commenter who said that uh, that he said he saw it in some kind of a leaked script. Said, oh yeah, Kylo Ren kills Han Solo, and I hope that guy dies of cancer of the eyes. But even still, uh, that scene where where where, where when Han. Uh, for, well, first of all, when when Han and Chewie split up for some reason it felt like i why does this seem like i've never seen these two guys split up on purpose for that tells me oh here we go this is it and when he said let's split up i i that's when my heart did start to beat even though like literally i know i know it's coming but i'm like my heart just started to beat so so much uh and when he calls out to him and uh it's a it is such a great scene because he calls out to his name his real name turns out is uh is Ben, and uh, and Kylo Ren stops, and that to me said that that to me was one of the more emotional moments too, because Han and Han and Leia had a kid, and they named him after that kindly old uh, Jedi who saved them on the Death Star, and that yeah. t- that really got to me in, in the heart, and uh, and this whole scene, my heart is j- just pounding the entire time, and when on the catwalk, he doesn't Han Solo doesn't have his gun out, and every step he took closer to Kylo Ren. Like the audience, like the audience is laughing, maybe even some whispering throughout the whole movie. But at this this time in the theater, you can hear the a pin drop, not a single sound, because I think the audience can kind of sense it too. Uh, and when he's trying oh. to, and, and Han's trying to convince his you know his son to go back to them, you know, it's like, hey, maybe it worked with Vader, maybe it'll work again, and eh, I guess not. And, uh, well, Rooster-
1: and I, I, Yeah, I love what he says to him. It's like, you know, help me make this final journey. I'm so scared I don't know what to do. And everything we've seen from the guy going up to that was, oh, he's ready to go back to the light. And what he's actually doing is, I'm going to have to kill you to prove, to you know, the powers that be or whatever, that I'm as bad as I want to be. And that's what he's wanting help with. That was twisted, and uh, it was, but it was well done. It's Adam Driver's best scene.
0: Oh, yeah. And, like, what really struck me was that the like so much of that scene played, with, so much of that scene played with no music, and, and, and oh, like a, it's it's one of the few star big Star Wars moments I can think of where there was no music for a big part of it. Like just, just like Abrams really trying to just like uh, he really like he really he had me in that in that moment, and uh, and yeah, my heart just kept pounding faster and faster and faster, and then the music finally kicks in. Han gets closer, and Kylo takes out his lightsaber. You he think he's gonna like put it away and the music uh, like the, the kind of fake the music kind of like is building up with this really low sound and then the sun fades away and it's just the glow of red light b- from beneath them and uh, Kylo switches it on and pierces Han's chest and Kylo says thank you he's like "No well, one less father to worry about in the galaxy and in yeah. his dying breaths Han like touches his son's face and then falls into the abyss beneath him and it is even though I knew exactly that it was coming in that scene, it was so powerful to me. It's even more heartbreaking than when Obi-Wan died, because there wasn't that smirk that 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 Obi-Wan has to, that's like, well, it ain't over till it's over, sort of thing. It's just, it's over. Han Solo is dead, and he looked like he wasn't ready to die. He was ready to keep... He, he was, in that moment, he thought, I'm going to get my son back, and instead his son actually kills him, and it was just... It, it was really tough to watch, and easily uh the best film in this the best scene in this film and uh, i've seen a lot of movies this year uh even if uh star wars isn't on my you know top five of the year that it, this is the most powerful scene of the year for me just being a star wars fan it's just amazing
1: oh and like i said I, I was such a mark for it i didn't see it coming and when it happened like i let out an audible gasp like i was like <gasps> and then and then i was like oh of course of course, it would have to be like that, and then I actually, and I didn't even realize it was happening. And I felt a tear run down my cheek, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, this film has totally gotten to me." Yeah. And I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, "Man, I am, I am totally in bed with this thing now." <laughs> like, I and was the- like, "Well, clearly, I, I'm there, there's no way I'm going to you know, trash this at all." And I wasn't sitting there with my knives out anyway. Like at some point, yeah. I, early into it, actually, I just sort of fell into it and was like, "Man, this is awesome not to know what's coming." You know, and have to just watch it and absorb it. But this this moment was so poignant and powerful. And the way he dies, like you say, it's different than Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi's like, mm, I already told you, I'd be more powerful if you strike me yeah. down. So I'm going to show you what that is. And but Han Solo's gone. Like these day, he got no mama, no papa, no Force, you know, none of that stuff. He just was a guy that believed after all of his experiences, and he was brave to the end. And he made an ultimate sacrifice. And I mean, you see, and the thing is, is you see Ray and Finn react to it. They've only known him for a short time, but they know who Han Solo is. And that—that's the neat juxtaposition that is she is a junker on a nothing planet. He is a lifelong stormtrooper, and they both know who Han Solo is. You know, and so they saw their hero cut down in front of them. And I love Chewie's reaction. Is he straight up blast that dude? Like he gets oh, yeah. a good shot, <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. Like, yes, bust a cap in him, please,
0: and I oh, yeah. that
1: was fantastic. So.
0: Yeah, it, it was uh, as much as you know Finn and Ray's reaction was 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 moving. It was uh, the reaction of two of the uh, two characters that we really know that really got me when Chewie screamed. That got me. Well, I'll tell you what really got me. Like when I said the closest I came to uh, tears in this movie, like. Earlier before this, like before Han Solo leaves Leia, they have that great scene where it's like I'm going to try to get her son back, and the Leia theme plays for like the first time in the movie, and it's a it's a gorgeous moment. They embrace. It's so beautiful. It's 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 beautiful, is what it is. And when Han Solo dies, and we cut to Leia alone on on, on the whole on the other planet, she can sense it. It's the death. It's it's when like when Obi Wan senses that the Death Star blew up. It's the same thing, and that's the moment that got to me the most. Uh, and also later. Uh, later it's, it's it's like maybe 10 minutes later but when we see Chewie alone like just alone in uh, in the base with no one around him just kind of like you know holding his head depressed it's like it just it it sounds like it, it that's not right why this, it felt wrong but like it was great for the movie but just like this is the saddest thing i've ever seen Chewie Chewbacca is 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 the one guy who could understand what he says is gone it was just uh, like han solo's gone and star wars it, it's it is never going to be the same
1: i felt like kylo ren Made his ultimate decision when he saw the sun go out um, once and for all, and when he realized, okay, now we have the advantages. When he decided to to whack pops,
0: yeah, almost as though he was like he 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 was never planning on going back. Like he's just he's just that he might just be that messed up and that much of a that 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 definitely came up as, I mean he this he he kind of entered a Joffrey level of uh, of of Ooh, evil and yeah, good and call he, yeah. <laughs> And being, you can't. I mean, in all of cinema, I don't think there's ever been a more despicable character. This is like Adam Driver will forever be known as the guy who killed Han Solo, Uh, and he. He hopefully he'll do something else that'll help to shed that image a bit. But like, no, like this is the one of those guys. Like like, uh, what's his name? Like Gleason in uh, Jack Gleason in uh, in. like, people are going to see this guy on the street.
1: Well, he's also, he's like Draco Malfoy. That poor kid, you know, has had to play a lot For of sure. other things to not be that guy, you know. So, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, look, you know, you, you have these big cinematic moments, and you have to have actors that can pull it off. The thing I've always loved about Jack Gleason when he played Joffrey was he just ate all of it up. You know? He's <laughs> just like, yeah, sure. And, you know you know what? Uh, Hux is, like, if, if Phasma is... Uh, Brienne's, you know, <laughs> great, 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 you know, whatever granddaughter. Then Hux comes from Joffrey's line somewhere along the way. He, sure. he has got some of that in him for sure. You, you just can't miss it. So uh, he's Lannister all the way. So, sure. uh, yeah, but yeah, no, uh, Ren is totally, totally evil at this moment. And, and even punctuated by the fact that our two heroines here, Finn and Ray, are trying to escape, and he confronts them in the woods like, no, 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 no we're not done. And, like, yeah. he pounds himself to show, look, I'm even hurt, and I'm going to take you on. You know? And I, you, will get one, you get my favorite Finn moment in, in the film is he picks up that saber and is like, let's go. You know, yeah. and he just jumps headlong into it, and it's a great fight. And I'll be honest with you, I thought he was dead. I thought the way
0: he got cut up, I was like, people don't live through that. Like, that was pretty vicious. Yeah, when he got sliced up the back, I did think it's like, oh my god! Like I've seen this happen on Game of Thrones; they bleed out from their from their spine and they're dead. But but that lightsaber duel it is fantastic. What I loved is I don't know if it's Abrams or if it's just an overall thing, but they're going to decide from now on that lightsaber duels are not going to as much as I like the prequel. I actually really like those prequel uh, lightsaber fights. They're so fast. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, Uh, they are. But in this movie, that go back to the original trilogy, like those lightsabers have some weight to them somehow. And again, like I said, one of my most badass moments in the, mo- in the movie for me was when he turns the three-bedded lightsaber. All he's got to do is turn it around and drive it into his shoulder and finally make sense of why he would have two many lightsabers on the handle. Uh, but that, that was pretty sick.
1: Oh, it was totally sick. And, you know, again, we think he's gone. And what has happened is the, is the Luke lightsaber has been knocked into the snow, so we get that little Hoth moment again. And, yeah, Ren's trying right. to call it to him because he's like, that's mine, and he, that's what he's going to use to kill Rey with. And what we realize when it whizzes by him is, no, she's figured out, oh, I can do that too, homeboy and she grabs yeah. it and i i wrote in my notes the second time i seen it's like ren gets uh, ray gets the saber and uses the force in it like a boss yeah. i mean and i love that she's able to go toe to toe with him she's not as good but the the ferocity that she attacks with is similar it's not quite the same level but it's similar to the way Luke attacks Vader, and that the back half of their fight at the Return of the Jedi that we just totally geeked sure. out on what we talked about in that podcast. Um, it's that same kind of just I am so pissed right now. It's Obi Wan going after Darth Maul. It's it's all of that, and I thought it was a great great fight, and I, I love how he's got her hanging over the cliff too, you know. And it's like yeah. you need a teacher, and that's when she's like, Oh yeah, I can use the Force. I forgot, yeah. you know, for a minute. And uh, but and then she totally bounces it against him, and I love how she takes him down.
0: I thought she killed him too, man. I was like,
1: she cut off his arm and his head. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that was uh, that was shocking. That, of all the violence in this movie, that was like the one bit where it was like really they really toned that down because it really looked like she cut, she like just sliced into half of his face. And I but when you look at it, it's like there's just a scar like running across his nose. And like, don't these things burn through steel? I know. Like, yeah. Sitting at, like his yeah he his got face, like. He got a, um, a Tyrion Lannister scar out of it, big time. That's the, exactly what jumped to mind.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm like, didn't these things like didn't didn't Qui Gon Jinn use one of these to blow open a door on a yeah. ship once? I guess it's all in how you handle it, man. It's in. It's like yeah. Eric Clapton said. It's in the way that you use it. And so, but I mean, yeah, she totally cuts him up. But then, then we do get what I call the the ravine of convenience. Um, <laughs> it splits them apart. And I'm like, wait a minute, Jedi can like float, jump over there and kill him. <laughs> yeah. But no, she's got she's gonna run back to the Falcon and take care of her friend and and that. But that's great though. You know, Chewie shows up to pick them up, and that was a great moment for me because Chewie's just kind of been along for the ride. You know, all this yeah. stuff like he always is. Right. But Han's gone now and Chewie's like, no, I need to take care of these people, too. These these are my friends now, too. And I, I that was a, a cool moment for me. I was like, you know, we don't we don't talk about Chewie a lot because he is just the sidekick in a lot of these things. Yeah. But
0: he's he's a good, loyal dude to have around. Oh, yeah. They they really made him a good character. And one thing I didn't touch on was when they're talking about your Han soul, the legendary thing. And it's like, so. Like, Han Solo is a legend, but somehow the seven foot tall wolf ape didn't make it into the legend. Which, like, which, the is, like, which
1: is probably why he's like, eh, I don't know, kind of.
0: Yeah. Like, you, you keep wanting him to say, oh, and you're Chewbacca the Wookiee. Like, they don't ever, like, I think Han's the only guy who says his name. Maybe, maybe. Uh, hey, look, maybe
1: Leia. man, it's a total speciesism thing, all right? The Wookiee's yeah. getting no <laughs> respect. They've been fighting this war for how long? Yoda used these cats, yeah. all right? They got screwed out of the Return of the Jedi battle. The Wookiee's getting no love. Alright, so, I mean, they're the Rodney Dangerfield of the Star Wars universe, it's, it's clear. But no, I love how he picks them up, you know, and it, it's kind of a reverse, because at one point he gets shot earlier, which, you know, we've never seen happen before, and Finn has, you know, good comedy trying to patch him up, you know, yeah. and then he he goes in reverse with it, you know, Ray takes the wheel and he goes back there to patch him up, and I thought, that that's pretty cool, and of course the Star Killer base goes kablooey, as we knew it would, not before, though, Hux and... Uh, Hux gets off of there, because Hux goes running to Andy Circus the projection, um, yeah. which, you know, I thought that was actually Snoke, like he was this giant thing, you know? Me too. And then I was like, oh, it's just a projection. Watch him be like a foot tall, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, or something, but, uh, but, which is another Buffy fun. But anyway, <laughs> you know, he it, it, that would be my luck, but... He, you know, he's like, yeah, go ahead and get Kylo Ren and come on. It's time to complete his training. And I'm like, that feels a whole lot like the Emperor going and picking up what's left of Anakin Skywalker on the the, the Mustafar. Like, I feel like they're trying to hit that beat again. You know, and I thought, well, okay, that, you know, that's the thing, though. You know, everybody's like, this is going to erase the prequels. And I'm like, no, not really. It's it's just going to reference them in the the only cool things they had in them. You know oh, yeah. those four moments we've now touched on.
0: You know, it's a best so, of of the best of exactly so a yeah, couple the, minutes long.
1: Yeah, it's like the best of of Winger. You know, there's two songs <laughs> and then you move on. You know, but those are good songs, but you just move on. You know? So don't don't spend a lot of time on the deep cuts. But yeah, no, I, I like that. And then you know the end of it is is a it's a big montagey wrap up. I mean they they've got to have the moment with Leia and, and Ray, which we we talked about a little bit, and we have to have. I think we get one of Daisy Ridley's best scenes is when she's sitting there with Finn and he, you know he's asleep or whatever and apparently he's come through surgery at this point and she's telling him like I I believe we'll see each other again like I know this is not the end of our story friend and you know, she kisses him on the forehead and then walks off to go and I mean we we've also brought back R2D2 which uh, th- explain to me what he he was in hibernation because Luke disappeared was he like is it kind of like a dog will do? Like he gets depressed yeah. when it's ownerly. I'm like, really? I didn't know what, or was that just part of the plan?
0: Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was kind of uh, when, when when C3PO was saying, yeah, R2 hasn't really been moving. I thought he was dead, and there was literally just his shell. And we're gonna get yeah. to we're going in the flashback, Kylo Ren's gonna kill R2D2, making him even more evil. But no, he's just, he's just he's literally in sleep mode. You just gotta press a button, and he'll uh, wake back up. Yeah and and he and BB8 worked together to put together the
1: the again the map of convenience um to <laughs> cuz you know those <laughs> damn Jedi archives I mean they just didn't yep. keep enough record and uh, you know these people uh, with all their technology they've forgotten the power of just make a copy on paper <laughs> yes, that <laughs> would help stuff it in a drawer you know I mean you never know what you'll find but anyway they they find the map and we go to the Galapagos Islands, or wherever Luke <laughs> is supposed to be here. And, and this is another scene that I thought like, went on too long. We see Ray looking at all like the stairs she's got to climb up, and then we get a minute and a half of her climbing up the, the steps, and I'm like, yeah. I got it. It's a long way up. <laughs> you know? it's like, I, yeah.
0: I don't need to see all of that, but whatever. And you're yeah. in a spaceship. Can't you just <laughs> land a, a, a few minutes closer? Uh,
1: yeah, well, you know, the one thing the Star Trek universe has got on Star Wars is that whole beaming thing. Mm-hmm. you know, Star Wars never figured that. So, probably because they've been at war for so long, they can't work together on anything. So, yeah. um, you know, but anyway, imagine what you could accomplish together. Uh, so if only Space Obama could have, you know, brought everyone together the way he has America. <laughs> but um, anyway, but no, we do get the scene, though, that we've been waiting for, which is Luke taking off that thing, you know, the hood, and he looks like Obi-Wan Kenobi. And the, it, it really hit me the second time is his eyes are red. You know, and what I realize is I think we're supposed to think of, Everything we've been watching, we've essentially been watching Luke watching this. Mm-hmm. That he has been you know, doing the force projection bit where he can see and feel things. That he has been experiencing this, and he has just seen one of his best friends die at the hands of his pupil who went wrong. I mean, he's in the turmoil that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was in when he had to cut Anakin down. You know, Ewan McGregor's best scene in any of the prequels is after he does that and that whole screaming bit on Mustafar, Mm -hmm. you know, at him. And and they couldn't come up with any better line than I hate you for uh, poor Hayden Christensen. But but anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's that same moment again. And then she points out that lightsaber and he looks at it. And I I was like, he's like, I haven't seen that in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) and I thought, I bet he's wondering like us where did you get that? Yeah. <laughs> so And, uh, you know, and I need to hear this story, and I, I don't know, it's, it's great. It It's a, it's the right beat to end on, though, because I, I thought, you know, we've already ended on the big triumph. From, what is this going to feel like Lord of the Rings, like it just goes on a little too long? Mm. But, no, they ended it on the right beat, I think.
0: Well, I don't know, because, like, Luke Skywalker is one of my favorite, you know, he's one of my favorite characters in cinema history. When I heard Mark Hamill back, you know harrison ford's back leia's back i thought that like, like i thought it was going to be the trio again like on the death Star. i thought they were going to be together again and so it wasn't like after han solo died it wasn't until after the movie i realized oh geez like all this time and han solo and luke never got to have a scene together uh in in the in the reboot it's like that that was pretty that that would maybe explained why luke is so glum looking when he turns around because is like the Luke I know isn't isn't that miserable? Last time we saw him, he had a big smile on his face in the, in the in the Ewok uh, uh, village celebrating the end of the Empire. And I I just wish that when he sees Rey, because clearly he he definitely recognizes her. If we're going with the fact that it's his daughter, I I I would have thought that he would be maybe happy to see her, maybe smile. I would have I I really think R two and Chewie should have been standing there behind him. I thought that would have been a great moment if Luke said, "Oh hey R 2 like just like like because they're you know they're they've spent the most time together after Empire and everything, and I just I just I I wanted him to say, just like something, say hello instead of just say like say the force is, force is strong with you anything, and the, the fact that I I had a feeling well I guess they're gonna to cut to the credits here. I personally think it would have been like nice if uh, the next movie opened with this or if it was a, a middle of the next movie reveal that he finally here's Luke Skywalker. It's just because I just. I love that character so much. I just wish they they did. Like, they literally had him on screen for 30 seconds. I wanted an hour. That, that, well, that's, I, I can't I, help but feel like that.
1: I'm with you. I wanted him more, too. But the fact that I realized quickly, this is Hans, you know, goodbye. This is yeah. Hans' movie. They, they couldn't have, they'd have shoved him in there, and it would have felt like too much. And Maybe, so they, yeah. they exercised restraint and said, no, we're just going to tease him at the end. And here's the thing. I want him to pick up right here. You know, like, if if they flash ahead, like, wasn't that a great conversation we had on the Hill? I'm going to be mad. I'm like, no, we need to pick up <laughs> right here and him going, where did you get that? And, you know, like, them having a whole conversation. There's actually a good internet meme, by the way, on Reddit about all the things Luke Skywalker's look says. And yeah. it has it's <laughs> gone from, like, the real stuff to, like, I'm out here and you don't see a Subway or a Starbucks. I got a lightsaber. <laughs> you couldn't bring a brother a sandwich. You see a liquor store. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's some hilarious, you know, memes from this as sure. as only this generation of the internet could do, and and it's funny. But it, that tells me though that people are are going with this. And uh, while I wish he would have had a line, there would have been something. Yeah, I'm almost glad they didn't give him anything. they just let it be that look that said a thousand things at once. And again, I think what we're supposed to interpret from it, and at least what I'm getting from it, is that. All of what we've been watching, he has seen. This is from his point of view, and he's coming to grips with it all. And now it's on, you know. And oh, yeah. it's, oh you get, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll yeah. tell
0: you one thing. Uh, no one, no one mentions this. I don't know if this is intentional or not. But when the the reveal, uh, when Luke turns around and it's Luke, I could swear I hear a little bit of the Empire. Uh, whether it's tuba or trumpets but like when they look at him, like there's the force theme, but there's a little bit of that. Bomb, bomb, oh bump, yeah, bump, bump. it's like oh my god! Like like that made me think, oh maybe Luke really is gonna go dark, like because he was dark and Jedi. Uh, he's, maybe he has not gotten any cheerier since then. Maybe he has turning a bit into his old man, but or something. But I just thought like if that was intentional to throw in the like the Darth Vader theme, seeing Luke, I thought that was genius.
1: Oh, I think it was intentional. Look, th- th- the new music in this movie is terrible. John Williams is is bored. Mm-hmm. But going back to the old themes that work, fantastic. Every time they, they work it. And again, J.J. J. Abrams knows how to do this kind of stuff. He's seen all these movies a million times like all of us, and he knows what we want, and he's going to give it to us. And he's going to give us all that... Little subtle stuff that we can sit and, and obsess over, like we're doing, you know, and have for the last two hours and, and could go on two more about because it, it is entertaining, you know. And sure. uh, you, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. I kind of want to hear where you think it's going to go in episode eight, but want to get first, final thoughts, recommendations, popcorn ratings. What are yours for Star Wars episode seven, The Force Awakens?
0: Well, let me break it down like this it turned out to be a killer gear for movies. It just keeps getting better the more I catch up. And it's been a huge year for like old guard movie series, because before Star Wars, we had a Mad Max movie this summer. We had Creed, a.k.a. Rocky Seven, We had James Bond and Spectre. And no one is more surprised than, than me that the latest Rocky movie and the latest Mad Max movie are my current number one and number two favorite movies of the year. Um, uh, no one's more blown away by that than me. I figured I was really kind of hoping that this movie would have that chance of it, like Empire Strikes Back being the best movie of its year, But sadly, at the moment, uh, Episode uh, 7 is maybe number 10 right now. I need to rejigger my list a little bit after seeing The Revenant. So, who knows where Star Wars might end up on my list. However, 2015 movies is one thing, but the main thing is how you stack it up against Star Wars movies because there's really not much else you can compare a Star Wars movie to other than other Star Wars movies. And out of the seven... Not counting Clone Wars, because screw that, no one saw that. <laughs> hey, you like-
1: notice it's not a part of our retrospectives.
0: <laughs> no, it's not, yeah. And it, for me, if I was going to break down the the ranking of the series, it would go like this starting from top to bottom. Episode four, uh, 5, 4, 3, 6, 7, 2, 1. So 7 is right between Jedi and clones. I'm probably the only person on the planet that even has Revenge of the Sith in the top three at all above Jedi and Force Awakens, but that's just how it goes. Darth Vader being in your movie just gives it more points for me. But, but even then, I still think it's a terrific movie. Like, the, you know, the bottom half of the Star Wars series is still miles ahead of most movies. I mean, you know, we had Avengers 2. I mean, like, this movie blows that movie away in every conceivable way. Uh, and this movie, this movie is what a Star Wars movie should be. Never got, to me, never, never got me to the point of tears like I was hoping, but made me, making me smile that much will do just fine. You know, having the most pulse-pounding moment of any movie this year, more pulse-pounding than anything I saw in The Hateful Eight, Sicario, Mad Max, just like that scene of where you just know Han is going to die, both times seeing it, just like I felt it was going to have a heart attack, like the best scenes in, in Game of Thrones or something, where you feel like someone is going to die, and just, uh, just, and just like just, just destroying you. But the bottom line is, if this is where Disney and the filmmakers are taking Star Wars, I'm on board. I'll be the first in line for Episode Eight uh, by Ryan Johnson and Episode Nine by Colin Trevorrow. Even though he made the w- one of the worst movies of 2015 for me <laughs> the Jurassic World, uh, Star Wars supersedes that. I'll give Trevorrow another shot. I had such a blast watching this movie both times. It improved on the rewatch, which which doesn't uh, always happen. Usually, it's the exact opposite. But Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens is one of my favorite movies of the year, and it gets an extra large popcorn for me.
1: You know, I thought long and hard about how I wanted to sum this movie up, and I actually got the answer from something else that happened on my holiday. I dumped a ton of music on my iPod because I knew I was going to be traveling a lot, and I would just hit shuffle when I was driving, sitting around doing nothing, you know, whatever, and listening to things. And one of the songs I put on there is Don Henley's The Boys of Summer, which is absolutely one of my favorite songs ever. Hmm. It's a fantastic tune. And I also happened to put the cover of that song that a band called The Ataris did back in like 1999 and 2000. They're one of those emo rock bands from that era. And I like that cover. And I liken The Force Awakens to The Ataris version of The Boys of Summer. It's a really good cover of a song I really like. And I'm down for that. And I feel like that's a good way to understand this movie. It's, there's nothing terribly original. There's a few little flips and turns, but it's the difference in a clean guitar versus a distorted one, whatever. I'm going with it. And I'm with you. If this is what they're going to do with the, the franchise, I'm I'm in line. I will I will not go spoiler free blind into another one. I, I think I've done that now. I feel like okay, I've done that. I don't. I want to go back to doing it the way I always do now and know what's going <laughs> into. But I'm I'm gonna be first in line to go see it again too. And you know I I'm down for it because it, this this was fun. That's the thing is for all the things the prequels were, there were moments of fun. But by and large, they're not very fun movies. This is a fun ride the whole way. It's exactly what I wanted from a Star Wars movie for a long time, and I got everything I was in for. It's not perfect, though. And if I had to rank them in the series order, I mean, for me, I put the fourth one and the fifth one, one and two, and they could almost be one A and one B. But really, the sure. the, the new hope is is. My favorite one. And then the third one to me, for me, has been Revenge of the Sith for a long time. You and I have that in common, that we keep that one mm-hmm. high. I would put this one probably right there and then Return of the Jedi and then Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace. Sure. Know, that, that's, that's how I would go with them. I think this one's a good four spotter. It's not perfect, but you know what? It, it's, it, it can't be because what J.J. Abrams is trying to do is get everybody excited about Star Wars again and mission accomplished. Because that is exactly what this, the Force awakens in Ray or whomever or whatever. But what really awakens is everybody got excited about Star Wars again. And and the fact that the thing got hyped up as much as it was and has been marketed to death. You know Disney's gonna. I mean, I've seen so much Star Wars stuff. Like, you can buy a Star Wars coffee mug. I got two from different people for Christmas
0: <laughs> this year.
1: You know, I got I got T-shirts, you know, and stuff. And I hadn't even seen the movie yet. People are giving me Star Wars stuff. And they're like, yeah, we figured you like the new movie. I'm like, still hadn't seen it. But anyway, so, because yeah. <laughs> I'm here, but I'm going to go see it. So anyway, but I wore my Star Wars shirt to the movie, uh, as, as it turned out. So I I I love that I had a good time with it but it's not to me I can't put it on the same level as those originals. So I can't give it the no. extra large. I give it a good solid large popcorn and I think it's perfect as that. And I'm ready to see where they go and now that's my question to you cuz I have no idea. Where do you think they go in episode 8? What what do you think's to come?
0: Well, like, I mean I'm hoping that if that <laughs> if episode 7 is a copy of a new hope i hope they don't just do that for the rest of this next trilogy i hope that you know, episode Yeah, i really hope episode 8 is well i guess that means uh luke is going to reveal that it's her father that is, he's he's raised father at the at the at the last minute or something there's going to be like everyone's going to be waiting for a reveal because it's the next you know it's the next empire i really hope ryan johnson has something a little fresher uh, than that and i think he does. Ryan Johnson's a favorite director of mine. He did a couple of movies i freaking love like Brick and Looper and what i uh, think Lo- is the best Looper's great. Yeah. Looper is awesome and he, he also did uh, what i think is the best episode of uh, Breaking Bad in the final season. Uh, it's the it, the episode is the beginning of the end for Walter White and it is something else to see. I was more excited about Ryan Johnson being on Star Wars than Ab- than JJ uh, Abrams being on Star Wars. Uh but what I want is uh, Luke. I, I would love it if, like you know, if Han Solo is the center of Episode Seven. I would love it if Luke is the center of Episode Eight. I hope he doesn't die this time, though. Uh, and I, I really would like to get more focus on on Kylo Ren as a character. I really want to see if the, how Luke and Kylo Ren hooked up. I like because Kylo Ren doesn't talk about that too much, but I want to see what Luke had in mind. How Kylo Ren destroyed that. I just want to see that. And I definitely, I just want to see more Poe Dameron in in the, in the next movie because I just feel like he did not have enough. Screen time, and I think the torch might have been passed between Han Solo and 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 Poe Dameron a bit. And I just I just want to see more of that guy. But whatever it is, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm going to be first in line to see it, uh, even if I hear it. If even if I hear it's terrible, I'm going to see this thing probably on the opening day.
1: Oh, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to see it when it comes out either way, no matter what. We'll, we'll be back around to talk about that one then. So I, matter of fact, you know, we've got something in between, though. They're going to do one of the spin off movies right. that they talked about. They're going to do Rogue One, which, as I understand, is the story of stealing the plans of the Death Star where many Bothans died. Uh, for, for yeah. this, uh, right, I, I'm down for that too, man, so, you know, we, we'll have to reconvene and talk about Rogue One as uh, just a side spin to the Star Wars universe and see what for they sure. can do with it, it should be fun. You know, we're just getting started here in 2016, got lots of cool things planned here on Filmstrip, but uh, as always, we appreciate your support, folks, you can go to our website, ContinuousPlayPodcast.com slash movies, search through our entire back catalog, over 160 reviews, and I mean, gosh, we've done it all. I mean, everything from, like, the cheesiest things you can ever think of, like, movies like No Holds Barred and Critters 4 and stuff (laughs) like that, to actual good pieces of cinema like Heat and Gladiator and some of those kind of things. Kurt, you've been on some of those. Uh, all kinds of stuff. We've hit every genre: a lot of horror, a lot of sci-fi, you know, a little bit of comedy, action. You name it, we we've hit it at some point. So check it out. Uh, give us a review on iTunes; helps other people find the show. Follow us on Twitter. You can find us at Continuous Play Podcast. You can also find me and Kurt. And hey, Kurt, people can find you on Facebook and join your Facebook group, The Fabish Factor.
0: Absolutely can find us on the Fabish Factor on face on 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 Facebook. And as for the Fabish Factor podcast, kind of been on a bit of a hiatus on. Uh, in 2015 due to lack of uh, maybe just everything. But uh, we're going to be back on track in uh, 2016 if, if things work out, working on a Tarantino uh, big, uh, big ass retrospective. And I promise at some point we're going to get that Game of Thrones season four <laughs> show. It yes. will happen at some point. And season five, of course.
1: Yeah, we'll have to get into those. You know, we're still going to release those before George R. R. Martin does another book. I promise That's you right. that. That's so. right. I'm <laughs> yeah. waiting on him now. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be ahead of him at some point again. But yeah, it, lots of good stuff to check out. And of course, like I said, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff coming up uh, in 2017. 2016, I'll go ahead and tell you now two retrospectives we've got planned. You know we've done some big horror series, but there's two we haven't tackled yet, and we're we're gonna get to them this year. We're gonna do Friday the Thirteenth, and we're gonna do Nightmare on Elm Street. So oh, looking not. looking forward to being a part of those. That's gonna be fun. Ron, Nick, and I will get back together and finish up Paranormal Activity, uh, as we <laughs> we finally that we finally got to where we could all see it again. At one point, I think I had to drive like 80 miles to go see it, and Nick <laughs> never got never Nick never got it in within 100 miles of where he was. So we <laughs> had to wait for it to go to direct video because one of the worst marketing ideas of all time but we'll talk about that on that show uh, once we get there uh, but all kinds of cool stuff coming up those are you know two big horror here, but we've got some fun one-offs playing too i mean brian and i've been kind of kicking around some stuff we've been wanting to do for a while and uh some other things that'll make appearances here and there uh, along the way you mentioned one in that pile there i wouldn't mind getting into and that might be looper uh, that that might be a fun review because there's lots to talk about in that uh little oh, piece of time. sci-fi there so we'll see what we can do along the way of course folks thanks for joining us again and thank you for your support until next time for Curt, i'm jay thanks for
0: listening to thank you for listening to filmstrip you can find more episodes on our website continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies please leave us a positive review on itunes and link up with us on facebook the film strip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121.